Hello, my fellow historians. It is Saturday, and we are back with our monthly once a Saturday live streams featuring Sean. And we've got lots of fun stuff to talk about. It's a combo episode. We're going to be talking half the episode about, a little more than half the episode, about the Battle of Blackwater, because that's where Sean is at in the books. He just finished Clash of Kings. And hey, we never did cover the early seasons of Game of Thrones in um, with this show. So it's time we can go back and do that and have some fun with it. It's a really important battle, and there's lots to say about it. And in the second half, we'll be covering our experiences at Con of Thrones 2019 in Nashville. We've got uh, a couple of photos and some great stories from all three of us. So we'll be doing that in the second half. Um, so we're really looking forward to getting this all excited, uh, all this exciting info out to you guys. And we're glad to see you here joining us live. It's lots of fun hanging out with all our friends around the fandom, wherever you are. We hope this is a good time for you all to be showing up. Saturday afternoon allows us to catch people in lots of different time zones relative to where we are. We know it's not perfect for everybody, but this is, uh, this is about the best we can do. So it's a good time for people on the moon. <laughs> it's a very good time for people on the moon. Got to keep up with the Moonanites. If you uh, don't let the Moonanites see your show live, they get very upset. Are Moonanites like Mennonites? <laughs> <laughs> they're more like Womenonites, um, which, are, which are better than Mennonites, actually. They're like Mennonites, except that they scoff at our mirror dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome back, Sean. Um, good to see you. And what the heck is that? It's a strange green, greenish color. Actually, green isn't that strange for you, but it still looks strange. It's uh, the protein naked drink, the, the green, protein greens mixed with the... Uh, Call it sparkling ice. Sparkling or Mountain ice. Dew. Okay. Which flavor is sparkling ice? Coconut pineapple. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so not. <laughs> I would rather drink Wildfire, which my shirt says uh, Valyrian Energy Wildfire. Mm-hmm. You Monster keep that Wildfire logo. away from Davos. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have appropriate shirts on today. Mm-hmm. That's what we like to do around here. Have themed shirts that match the episodes. <laughs> it doesn't always work out, but today it worked out pretty well. <laughs> So, uh, real quick, a couple of shout-outs before we get started. Thanks to Telenius the Talon, King of Gagasos, Rider of Telerius, the Red Dragon with Scales, Horns, and Talons of Midnight Black. And always first, except for not today, because I said him second, <laughs> Jeff Gnarly, the Long Snapper, History of Westeros' first sword. Apparently second sword today, because I named the dragon first, but hey. That's the way we do live streams. Some things uh, don't come out quite the way we intend. That's the nature of it. Um... So yeah, so this is really good timing for us with uh, the your where you're at and your reread or your read rather, and with Valar Reredis in progress for us, we're uh, doing that every Sunday. A lot of you guys are are with us for that. But one of the problems with any reread podcast, even if you're doing seven chapters a week or one a week or one a month, is that a lot of people read at a different schedule than that. You're not reading necessarily the exact same chapters that we're covering every week. A lot of people read ahead. Some people stay a little behind, catch up later. Everyone's on their own schedule, just like you were on with your Clash of Kings schedule. But we're going to, because we're focused on foreshadowing and different things in each of these chapters, we're not actually covering every single thing in the chapter because there's just too much to cover. I mean, there's reread podcasts that spend a good two hours per chapter, and I could think of a lot of things that they didn't talk about, which they probably did too. That's just the nature of it. So we'll have a lot of different things to say during Valar Reredus when we get back to this chapter eventually. It'll be several months from now. But comparing book to show, comparing uh, just different things that you noted, 
different things that I want to say and different things from you guys in the chat who send us questions. Well, we've got, we'll, 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 we'll do a good job here. I think battle of Blackwater. So cool. It's worth noting, by the way, that when I watch the show, I watch it two or three or four times and take a bunch of notes. I didn't read <laughs> Classic Games three times and take a bunch of notes. I'm still processing it, you know. Right, yeah. I know there's a million things I missed. I know there's all kinds of stuff that I, even as I was reading it several times, I wanted to go back. Like I would I would get to a Danny chapter and want to go back and read the last chapter. I'm like, ah, I just need to finish it. I can go back and read it later. Yeah, it's really neat. That's actually why I wanted to start was mentioning a few facts about not just the book, the battle and the books and the show, but our perspective. Like uh, me and Ash read the book first and then saw the show. In my case, I had probably read the chapter several times before seeing the show. Ashea, maybe once or twice, or at least once, but maybe twice. And But you, of course, saw it several times before you read it. So you have kind of a different perspective, which is neat for us. So we were coming at it uh, from different angles. Um, I may say some controversial things. You might. The way, we, I think there's a few things about the show I like more than a book. Hey, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. That'll be good. That'll be. Uh, it's good. We. It's good when we don't just agree on everything. <laughs> so. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Case in point. <laughs> uh, so, a couple of facts about the Battle of Blackwater before we uh, get into the the details. Big. It's the biggest battle of the, of the War of Five Kings which is obviously that's really important. Uh, it's the first multi-point-of-view battle in A Song of Ice and Fire. And it remains the longest battle in terms of POVs in A Song of Ice and Fire as well. Even with books coming later, there's obviously other big battles, but there aren't. there isn't a battle that spans, say, six chapters, which is rough. I mean, it's kind of rough. We want to say exactly when the battle begins, but I, I consider it six chapters. I consider the Sansa chapter uh, when she sees the sails, the beginning of it, because that's when you get the city starts to act like it's a battle. There's the panic, there's the preparations. You know, you, you got to pick a point. And that's, that's where I pick, and I think that's fair. Again, I have a hard time remembering, but right. I feel like she was hearing the battle of Stannis' army before she saw the sails. I believe, I, I I'm not remember, sure. But. Yeah, the detail, there's definitely, they're aware that Stannis' army is on the other side of the river like at before what point, the ships come. Yes. What, what point did Tyrion send Shaga and the... That was uh, that was well in advance of Stannis' army arriving. They knew Stannis' army was going to arrive, and so they, those guys were out in the Kingswood before the before the army even got there. I don't know if like becoming aware of that counts as a chapter of battle. Yeah, but, uh, yeah you're right. That's that's. I would say that's arguably that is part of the whole thing. It's part of that phase of the campaign. But uh, yeah, it's we got to pick an arbitrary point, and I agree with that. So that's a totally valid one. Um, now, as far as some other facts, there's. Uh, it's also the first of the large battles on TV. There's several large-scale battles on TV, but this is the first one. There's other battles that happened before this one, but they're not really on screen. The Battle of Whispering Wood isn't, you don't see it at, basically at all. And uh, in the books, that's basically true as well. Catelyn sees a little more of it in the books that she sees in the show, but not a lot. And so really, this is the first like huge battle for both book and show that's, that's on screen. So that's really neat. And even though it had a lesser budget, than the other battles because you know Game of Thrones' budget increased every season. It's still many people's favorite, even after a lot of these higher budget, more maybe in some ways more visually stunning uh, versions of battles. I think this is in part because it has more tension. You know, there's more tension. There's more of the character stories in it. Uh, the things that don't have anything to do with fighting itself, although the, the fighting is fine too. So, what what does that? How does that? How does it rate for you in that regard? 
I definitely liked it more going back and watching it. There are definitely subtleties that I wasn't picking up on. Um, and I don't know how much of that was just the perspective of going back and watching it again versus knowing what was happening in the books. But I did rewatch everything before the final season. So it's not like I haven't seen it for eight years or something. Right, but, um, right. But still little things like realizing how disruptive Cersei calling Joff back was. Right. Realizing that's what spurred Tyrion to have to go out in a battle. It, maybe Tyrion would have ended up having to do it anyway. Sometimes it's hard to say what might have been inevitable anyway. But another thought I will point out, uh, Danny Boyle, is uh, he directed Some Dog Millionaire, which won Best Picture. Also, Train Spotting is a movie he's well-known for. Okay, He's done a wide variety of movies. And and he, like many filmmakers and Game of Thrones, over time, you get a bigger budget once you kind of prove yourself and have a certain amount of success. But he has said he preferred his earlier movies when he was on a tighter budget. He felt like he did a better job when he had to figure out how to do it. But mm. we feel like when he had this huge budget, you just do whatever. Oh, yeah, just CGI and post. We'll just hire the da-da-da-da-da. He felt like he wasn't as challenged. He didn't try mm. as hard to be creative. And so I wonder how much of that might have been true for Game of Thrones 2, working yeah. with what they had. When you don't have a big mm. budget for a bunch of action special effects, well, guess what? Then you have to focus on acting and dialogue. Yeah, you know? that's so. a good point. And it's almost like when a, when a studio gives you that much money, you, as a, obviously I don't know how this works really. I'm not a director or producer or anything. When they give you that much money, you almost feel obligated to spend it. Like, what can you not spend that money? Yeah. And, and you almost, I see the point there. Like, if you spend it on this action stuff, then you, you filled those moments already. <laughs> Incidentally, Clint Eastwood, other way around. Clint Eastwood always comes in under budget. Really? Yeah, yeah. He no one, yeah. <laughs> I bet that's part of why he, not only is he really bankable, but that's part of why just another reason why Hollywood loves him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he saves the money and makes the money. Yeah, how nice. <laughs> Will you, Aziz, move the microphone a little bit further? Sure. From your face. A little too loud, huh? Yeah, thanks. No problem. Thank you for the note. So we had a couple of super chats before we got started. Let's go ahead and say thanks for... For that, uh, from Jennifer Shanley Clark. Hey there, good to see you. She said, "So psyched to have the gang all back together for a live history was." And she put the gang in caps appropriately, as <laughs> as a fan of it's always sunny should. Great meeting all y'all at Con of Thrones, and thanks again for the epic King's Landing map. I won at your awesome pan, one of your awesome panels. Positive vibes from Buffalo, New York. Well, great. Thanks for that, Jennifer. We are glad you won that. We did give away some prizes at our live podcast. Speaking of our live podcast at Con of Thrones, we, we got a lot of our um, panels were recorded. That's usually how they do it. And only one of them was lost to the uh, recording gods. Uh, it was like a sacrifice that is made to the recording gods. It's, it's kind of it's, it's how things go. You know, the, the gods of recording are a bloody lot. And yeah. They demand a sacrifice. So that's not bad, though. Only one panel lost out of, I think, I told patrons that I think we had like 20 panels recorded, but that was an exaggeration. It's more like 14 or 15 we did that many, but they weren't all panels. Like we were in game night and and uh, other events that weren't really recorded because they weren't panels. So yeah. that's what I was thinking of when I said 20. But anyway, so we're going to be releasing most, if not all of those. We have to go through them, make sure the quality is fine. Just because they recorded doesn't mean they, they came out well. Uh, so we'll be going through those and releasing them over the course of the next few months. Also a super chat from Maura Lee for Aziz, Ashea, and the Kitties. Thank you for all the excellent content. Looking forward to hearing about your Con of Thrones experiences. Well, thank you, Maura Lee. Appreciate that very much. We, uh, Maura and I were, were trading cat photos right before the stream started. <laughs> we sent, uh, I sent her a picture of all our four cats and our one outdoor kitty. And uh, it's fun to share cat photos. That's the that's it, modern internet life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Let's get to it. Um, I laid out the facts. We had some intro here, but let's go to the battle. Now, 
Of course, there's it's actually a good example of the show and the books hewing pretty close together. It's it's not super different. There's a lot of things from the show and the book that change quite a lot. I would argue that this is pretty close as far as these things go. There's obviously some significant differences. There's a lot of um, minor to maybe not so minor, but not super major characters who are not in the show. That's just the way the nature of the business. Uh, not a complaint, just just a fact. Uh, there's sort of the battle is sort of POV style in the show, um, maybe more location focused than certain characters, but it, it generally centers around the same group of characters in the books. The, the POVs are in order. Uh, where did I put this note? It's, it's Sansa, then Tyrion, then, or Sansa, Davos, Tyrion, Sansa, Tyrion, Davos, Sansa again. (laughs) So, Three, two Tyrion, three Sansa, one Davos is basically the battle, which is interesting that Sansa is half of it because she doesn't see much of the action at all. She, But she's seeing the action on the inside, which is very interesting. She's dealing with Cersei. She gets word of the action from yeah. Lancel and uh, the Hound, and which also, again, is another way to not have to spend a bunch of money on the actual battle to have characters who aren't in it getting reported to about it, yeah. which also maybe is... More important, right? The details of which person slung their sword better isn't as important as the impact it has on the people inside the castle. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, make sure I said that right. I, I think, yeah, I did say that right. Sansa, Davos, Tyrion, Sansa, Tyrion, Sansa. Yeah, I did say that right. So just a rough review of what happens in each of, the, each of this chapters. The first one is Sansa. She's with uh, Lady Tanda and Lollis, and Cersei's having a feast. That's one difference is that in the show, they're just kind of sitting around drinking and singing. But in the books, there's actually a feast. Cersei is trying a little harder to have to maintain composure and to show it's like a distraction. It's just like, uh, yes, we're, 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 no, we're the nobility. We're going to sit here and eat and drink and, and maintain our composure. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Flames all around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's exactly the, the picture of the dog, cartoon dog saying this is fine with everything <laughs> around it on fire. But instead, the fire is green. <laughs> And then we have Davos, who is such an important part of the battle, but isn't really in it that much. He's out of it pretty quickly, yeah. especially in the show. The show he's out of it right away. Almost immediately. Yeah. yeah, in the show he's he's the leader of the of the fleet in the show. So he's at the front, and when the well, Bron, you know, launches that arrow, blows the wildfire up, he's immediately launched into the sea, into the water, and we don't see him again until the next season. Uh, or is it the last episode? I forget if we see him in the last episode or the beginning of the season. I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. In any point, it's the same thing that happens in the books. He turns up on the spears of the Merlin King and is rescued by uh, the Salador's ships. And that that doesn't happen until the next book. Right. I now know with confidence. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, so, so what Davos is thinking when he's sailing up, he's thinking about uh, how the Admiral, Sir Emery Florent, that's another major thing missing from the show, is the presence of the Florents. Uh, they're not really in the show at all, but that's Solis's family, and they're really important politically. They're a major uh, force. They're probably, they're not as powerful as the Tyrells, but they're one of the most powerful houses in the Reach behind the Tyrells. They're like the second tier, and they arguably, they think that they should be ruling the Reach because of their close relation to Garth Greenham. But that's a whole other story. Anyway. And their humbleness. Yeah, and their humbleness. That's right. <laughs> the Florence are a big deal even after this battle, if, even after Sir Emery is killed. They're a huge part of the books that, that didn't make the show. So Davos sails up. The difference, of course, in the, uh, the scene with Davos is that since he's not the leader of the army or the navy in the books, he's behind. And it's actually his ships that get blown up in either case because 
in the books. Uh, it's not an arrow launch that starts the wildfire. It's one of the lagging ships that rams one of the hulks that's hit with that's loaded with wildfire, and that causes the explosion. But by that point, thirty to forty ships have already passed it, and they land successfully. They do their job without getting interfered with by the wildfire. Um, then we have a Tyrion chapter where. There. It was also kind of oh, yeah, uh, another difference between the show and the book. I don't know how much we want to focus on that throughout here, but it was more of um, there was more of a battle in the book and yeah. the show. It was like that one lone ship. You're right. And Davos and the fleet were like, what's going on here? Uh, whereas in the book, they were outnumbered, but it the it was part of Davos's frustration with Imran, Imran, Imri, Imri. Yeah. Is it they had them outnumbered, but going through this corridor, this of water the, the, the numbers didn't matter. You know yeah. what I mean? If they can have... It's like fighting on a bridge. Like right. You can't, yeah, you can't if they have them. 80 ships, but there's only 10 on the front line, and the other side has 20 ships and 10 on the front line, well, the 70 of your ships just don't matter. It's just 10 know? on 10, yeah. 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 Which I, I thought that was a neat moment when Davos... Uh, I, I can't remember what it was he was hoping for, but there was he was hoping that there would be some obstruction. So the Emery would have to stop and reevaluate. He thought they were just charging in without scouting it. Mm-hmm. And Emery was very confident because he knew that the Navy was, the King's Navy was really small. And he's just like, yeah. He, yeah. And, and he was behind. That was another key thing is that Stannis is, was already engaged in battle on the ground. That's true. And they were late arriving. So uh, there, yeah, there was some pressure to hurry up. You know? That's not portrayed on the show. You're right. Uh, they're, well, two things. The the ship-to-ship battles, which are significant. Davos even has a boarding scene where he fights another captain, or not another captain, but just kills a guy. And uh, there's another moment where, lots of moments rather, where you see the arrow fire and, and, and stones being traded between the ships and the castle. And there's just like, yeah, siege kind of uh, arrows and missiles going back and forth. And then, uh, like you said, the destruction happens, the, the wildfire explodes and that spreads and then the chain is pulled. Of course, that's another major thing missing from the, the book or from the show is the chain. The chain is pretty important because of the way... Uh, because it keeps all the ships together. It keeps them from backing away from the wildfire. And, of course, it's Navy is so hard to replace. Navies are super, super expensive. Ships take a long time. Don't let Euron's thousand ships fool you. <laughs> I don't think it did fool you. But <laughs> just in case, <laughs> ships are really expensive and, and long uh, long to build. Just think about how many books pass. A full, three, uh, full two books pass before Cersei has 10 new warships built in A Feast for Crows, and, well, we know what happens to those. Sean maybe doesn't, but it's a, it's a good story. You'll get to it. You'll like All it. Right. It's not in the show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the next chapter is Tyrion, and that's, all, of course, on the other side of the battle. Tyrion's on the inside. You see uh, he's actually very concerned about Joffrey's safety. It's interesting to see. He's like, close your visor, you know? <laughs> it's, it's He knows how important that is, even though he doesn't like Joffrey at all. It was only a quick line, but there was this extra motivation for him to keep Joffrey safe. Because Cersei had um, the girl oh, yeah, who, yeah. She, yeah. who, he th- who yeah. she thinks is Shay, but he still is concerned for her. He yeah. still doesn't want her to suffer. Absolutely, know? yeah. That's a great point. Great point. Yeah, he's he's because uh, he, he's they've kind of threatened each other. Whatever happens to Joffrey happens to her, and he's like, well, whatever happens to her happens to Joffrey, and she's like, I don't believe, and he's like, try me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really something. So t- it's really interesting to me that there's I don't know if this is intentional on George's part, but Tyrion's first battle, of course, in the books, it's. Uh, this is I've, I may have misspoken before. This, the Green Battle, of the Green Fork, is before this this battle, and that's a major battle. Um, yeah, I did I did say that wrong, didn't I? Yeah, the Green Fork battle. Is certain... I don't think you said that. Okay, I thought I said it was the first major battle 
of the uh, of the books. I guess that's I'm, I may have said that. If I did, that was wrong. Maybe. If I didn't, maybe not. It, we it, didn't see much of that battle. That battle on the show is not show. Yeah, Tyrion gets knocked unconscious and then wakes up and it's over. So yeah. it's definitely not on the show. It's it's it's, it's off screen. But it's neat that that's the battle of the Green Fork, and now he's in this this battle of green fire. Uh, so it's just this kind of this uh, theme, I suppose. Now a big part. This is the chapter where uh, Tyrion has to make the decision to lead the charge. It's not the one where he actually makes the charge. It's that's his next chapter, but he decides that he has to, and it's of course a big part of it is because the Hound is broken. He's done three sorties, lost half his men. He says. And he's, as Tyrion notes, he's dead on his feet. And you get a lot of the same exact lines from Shota Book. He talks about, no, give me uh, give me a drink. No, give me wine. He says, you know, F the king. <laughs> he doesn't say F the king in a book. Oh, you're right. He, yeah. says, he, says, that to, uh, he says that to Sansa, I think. He might afterwards. say it later on. I don't remember. But, but, and I think he did say F the hand. Yeah, he does uh, say that. Because, yeah, because Marin's like, the hand gave you an order. And he's like, F the, F the hand. hand. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so he just... And that's what, and of course, the key, which I think the show portrays is pretty well, but in case it's not clear, the fact that the Hound, of all people, won't go back out there just ruins everyone else's morale. And that's part of what makes Tyrion realize that he has to do. And this is a part of the show that I really like, Tyrion's, the way Peter Dinklage does his acting here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know, not that I don't want to give credit to his acting, but there is some amount of writing or directing in there, the way he kind of like, he's like thinking out loud. He's, He's like, He's like, you can, like from the books, you know, his brain is like processing what needs to happen, you know? And he just thinks out loud. He says, I'll lead the charge. I'll lead the attack. But he's, he and he's like, oh, wait, <laughs> I'll lead the attack. And he, like, he, it's like, a, it's disconnected from it being himself. You know, it's hard for him to, to even think it. Um, but when he realizes it, it, it is sort of a moment of courage to to accept that and do it you know it's the thing that he wanted joffrey to do yeah like you need to stand out here and be the leader well i'm not qualified i'm scared like it doesn't <laughs> matter you have to do it anyway that's yeah. your role here i'm not doing it i'm going back to my mommy yeah okay i'll do it oh wait a minute i'll do it yeah it was a good progression yeah i like that a lot it's really good that's, that's the exact kind of thing that we talk about in what makes this battle stand out among some of the others is this this tension this character conflict this like a guy psyching himself up to be a leader. And so that's the basically the way the chapter ends is him making that decision and starting to get ready, but not actually the actual action is his, his chapter after this, where we're in this sort of alternating Tyrion Sansa, Tyrion, Tyrion Sansa combo here of chapter. So this, the Sansa chapter, Oh, you have something to say? Well, yeah, because this is getting ahead of some things that happen in the show that didn't happen in a book, okay, go ahead. which are examples of things that I thought were really good. Some of it, some of what happens in the show that are changes, I think, are understandable because you just can't have that many characters. There's no way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, whoever's out there that loves the books and thinks they're better in a show, imagine you were at HBO and you were in charge and this show is being pitched to you. And they told you that we're going to have 80 named characters in this episode. <laughs> 80 like, named characters. Like, oh, I don't know if we can do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, uh, and so they, they, they narrow down, they consolidate some characters into Braun. He becomes more central. He takes on the role of multiple other people, right? Hmm. Which gives him more time to make a charismatic character or a memorable character. And you get some cool moments like that interaction between him and the Hound, hmm. which didn't happen in a book at all. That was kind of a, I don't know, I'm going to say, a, I guess it wasn't really a temple moment. It's a temple moment for fans of the Hound and or Braun. Oh, okay. <clears throat> um, but but it, it brought a lot out there, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And... Um, Oh shoot! The other thing I was gonna say, there—I feel like there was some other thing that 
you think about it for a second, I got a, a, a comment show, but... from, from the okay, chat yeah. here. People are, a lot of people are pointing out how, how important Sandor was this episode, which is something I wanted to mention as well. When I was talking about who the show POVs were, we, we went over the book POVs because those are straightforward. The show's POVs are Sansa, I think, with maybe a little Cersei because she gets her kind of her own scene at the end in the throne room, but mostly around Sansa. Then you have Tyrion, clearly. And uh, Davos at the beginning kind of ported over to Stannis from the battle point of view. Stannis isn't, isn't you know, it's mostly just a battle from Stannis' point of view. But it's, it's fair to call that a point of view, I think, even though there's no real conflict for him other than people running away at the end. And the, but, the, but the Hound, for sure, I think, is the other main character who's featured in the battle, both in the show and the books, even though he's not a POV character. And uh, it seems like a lot of people in the chat noticed that. One person in particular says that, it's um, kind of his the moment where he really becomes a major character in the show. A lot of people see that this is the battle slash the scenes that really make him come more to the forefront. It's kind of his it's his moment in a lot of ways. Not that it wasn't other people's moments, but they also I don't know how to say this exactly, but they bring out the fact that he's more gray. Mm-hmm. It's okay. So this is like another some things about my perspective going into it. Even though I hadn't yeah. read the books when I started to watch the show. I knew I've mentioned this before, but I had multiple friends who were like intelligent, educated, kind people who thought Jamie was their favorite character. Mm. So my first impressions of Jamie, I just knew there has to be more to this. Does that make sense? Um, and uh, so the Hound, same thing. Like he starts off very cold and quiet and mean and angry. Yeah. But here in the show, more so in the book, you see this other side of him. You see him have fear. You see him... Um, I don't, know, I don't know if rebel is quite the right word, but he's not just going to blindly, even though so far he just killed a butcher boy like he was told. But at this point, he's like, no, it's too much, too far, F this, you know. Yeah. Uh, it brings a lot in his character out. And now this is going to lead me to a couple other thoughts. It's similarly, it brings more out of Bronn that we already kind of talked about how he generally is getting more featured in this than in the book. Yeah. But specifically, as a warrior, we again see him be successful as a warrior. He kind of saves the hound. You know, he does. And so in the show, like as a, for the sake of storytelling, the books, too, I suppose, you need to have these word characters. You need to believe that they're formidable. Does yes. that make sense? Yeah. And so this does that. This gives us that. And it, it leads to maybe a minor complaint that I have, a difference, I think, in the, the book and the show. Both of them have this, but the book just went a little bit farther. Tyrion's value, Tyrion, the, the, the key to Tyrion's character isn't that he can run around with a sword really well. He is this leader, this strategist or whatever. And I think in the book, there was a lot more of that. We'll talk about it in a minute. But Tyrion does go charging out and kills a bunch of people. Like, never yeah. mind, like, the effects of wildfire, which maybe multiple people were responsible for. But he takes his axe and chops people down left and right. Yeah, he's on a horse. And, he's, uh, he's got, with Kingsguard around him. And, yeah, he's he's formidable. <laughs> and it does show that he is brave, right? Mm-hmm. That, that it is meaningful for him to decide to go out and charge the battle. Yeah. That he's not just on his horse at a distance. He is running around there endangering himself. Or, or just making the order to kill so many people with wildfire. He was willing right. to get his hands bloody. He got his hands oh, yeah. dirty, yeah. Mm-hmm. But and, it, and before the battle, too, like kicking kicking commoners off of the wharf and like moving houses and like doing things to the city to prepare it for battle that people were not happy about. Yeah, but he's got this bigger picture mind. Yeah. But anyway, I think that it did more... The show keeping him out of battle as much keeps him from seeming as dark a character. Mm-hmm. Like I remember multiple times, Jeez, Tyrion. Yeah, uh, like, hey, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, 
<clears throat> it, it, his hands are dirtier in the book than and, in this. In, and you know to look for that, having read mo- seen most of the show before, getting too deep in the books, you know to look for dark Tyrion, darker Tyrion, because it's something people talk about, and it stands out just because of he is a lot darker. Even, even without you being told, you can you yeah. just notice it. Yeah, and it makes sense in a show that they want to keep him more protagonistic. Mm-hmm. So having him not slaughter people left and right, I think helps with that for better yeah. or worse, right? And also, it keeps his role more as the strategist and the leader, not as this warrior that runs around. Like, if Tyrion can run out and kill seven people, like, well, no big deal that Bronn can also. You know, it's it's more exciting or impactful for Bronn to kill people left and right when Tyrion just gets knocked unconscious at the beginning of the battle, you know? Mm. Uh, okay, so moving on a little bit here. Um, with uh, So he after he decides he leads the charge, we cut over to Sansa in the books, and we have... Again, somewhat similar scenes. Cersei and Sansa together. One difference is that Cersei stops drinking in the book. She starts to get a little flushed, but she stops. So she's definitely tipsy, but she stops drinking, whereas in the book, in the show, she kind of keeps going. It doesn't really seem to make a difference, though. She doesn't out- get outright drunk. She's just <laughs> as far as medicating. She's self-medicating because of all the stress and anxiety, which is pretty understandable. <laughs> um, but you, you get the scene where she orders Joffrey to be retrieved, which causes chaos in both show and book. And is kind of, even though Cersei is a bit, I'd say she's a little bit stronger and tougher in the in the book. She's a little more poised. But this mistake is very important in both show and book. And it, it it's shown a little bit differently. The Kettle Blacks are involved in the books. They're not in the show at all. And uh, they're not super important, but they're, you know, they're, they're present and they become more important later. Uh, we also have Moon Boy present in the room with, uh, and Sir Ellen Payne. Now, Sir Ellen Payne is present in both show and book. And, and Dantos too, right? Dantos is in is present in both, but he's not. He, he's barely there in the show. You see you him see his for a face minute, one time, but in the show, he's in the book. He's very important because he's he, he's the one who tells Sansa at the end what happens, and he's of course trying to you know encourage her. They they have this long running <coughs> plan to escape that's you know developing, and uh, backing up a little, um, we get the scene where what's happening with. Uh, the the retreat we have Tyrion at one gate and Joffrey at another. Joffrey's flinging antler men, which were those people that tried to turn and uh, turn to Stannis from the inside, and that didn't go so well for them. We have Lancel um, kind of playing a similar role in both. He's with Tyrion, and of course Tyrion has fully you know <laughs> won him over, so to speak, with his <laughs> with his arrangement and. He challenges Cersei about Joffrey in front of Sansa, and Cersei does the same thing. She see she slams her hand into his wound, which is like, damn, Cersei, yeah. ow, what the hell is that all about? <laughs> and uh, that wound. I'd ends rather up Cersei being... use her other weapons on me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so the one she describes. A woman has another weapon. Yeah, don't use your don't use your 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 hand in my wound, please. But that is a big part of their conversation, uh, Sansa and Cersei talking about what happens when they lose. <laughs> Mostly yeah, it's Cersei yeah. telling Sansa what happens. And Sansa, a lot of that went just in the show, just like in the book. Like yes. Sansa asking about Ellen Payne, Cersei glosses over it. Then later on, she's like, look, here's the deal, kid. Yeah, you let know? me tell you why he's here. <laughs> and she talks about how if it was anyone but Stannis, I could you know, try, maybe try to seduce him. And by the way, that's a huge important factor. Cersei is kind of channeling the entire city. And all these all these guardsmen. I think this is another reason this battle is so amazing is the morale on, on of Stannis's men is great, but the morale of the King's Landing defenders is terrible. For one thing, 
another one really important missing character from the show is Sir Jaslyn Bywater. He's basically Tyrion's right hand man. Ha <laughs> ha, right hand. He's missing his right hand. He's Iron Hand. He's sort of like the proto Jamie in a way because he has an iron hand where Jamie comes along with his golden hand. There's no one like Jamie. Yeah, there's no man. There's no <laughs> men like him, just him. But uh, Bywater is hugely important for Tyrion getting getting the battle, uh, getting prepared for the battle. And of course, he dies during the battle. And he says something very prophetic. He says that, look, these are city guardsmen and you have cell swords. And a lot of these, some of these knights are pretty useful. But these are city guardsmen. They're not loyal to the crown, they're guardsmen. And if they're if it's going badly, they're going to break and run, and they're going to break badly. And that's exactly what happens. And it's it happens because Cersei sends uh, the Kettleblacks to bring Joffrey away from the battle. That's what causes the retreat. And Bywater himself tries to stop them. He's like <clears throat> tries to rally them. He's like, "What are you doing, you cowards? Get back out there, fight!" And according to I think it's Bronn is when telling the story later, it almost worked. But then one of them, someone shot him in the neck with an arrow, and then they just, uh, that was that. And that's just a really important part of this, is just how bad the King's Landing morale defenders is. Because he's City Watch. They're not, they're not Lannisters. They're not Baratheons. They're not anything. They're city guardsmen. If Stannis were, if they were to not fight, and Stannis were to just march into the city and take the throne, he would just hire them all back. They and would like, just keep hitting city guardsmen. Yeah, there's yeah. very little motivation for them to fight. The reason they're fighting is because Tyrion and Cersei and all these people are forcing them to. They do not want to fight for the Lannisters or the Baratheons. They just want to have peace. It's, it's that whole conundrum that Jorah said. They don't, they don't want this. They don't want that. They just want the High Lords to, yeah. you know, to be left. They just want to be left alone when the High Lords play their Game of Thrones. And this is the, the worst part of the High Lords playing their Game of Thrones, these big giant battles where so many innocents die. You've got all these people that do not want to be here, that don't care. <laughs> They're just forced to be here. They're forced to fight. And there's very little in it for them, too. They're like, what is the reward of them winning? <laughs> yeah. But they're so afraid. It, 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 the tactic that Tyrion and Cersei use, it's very effective, <clears throat> is they scare people into what Stannis is going to do to them. Stannis isn't going to do anything to them. He's going to come in, take over the city, and be a king. I mean, he might do he's some bad things. He's probably going to burn a few people. He might burn a few people. <laughs> but they, Tyrion and, and, and Cersei make it sound like they're going to burn a lot of people. And they're going to make it like, oh, he's, he's worshiping this dark red god. And that scares the hell out of people. He's, like, he's already burned the seven. He's already done all this. And so people are terrified of him, And uh, even yeah. though it's very much wanna, overblown. I don't want to take too much away from your point, but it's not completely overblown because, no it's not you're right right because Stannis part of why they might be scared of Stannis Tyrion and Sansa don't have to spend uh, Tyrion and Cersei don't have to spend it too far that Stannis is burning people who yes. don't switch religions it's an so. easy sell the propaganda works kind of sells itself because yeah, yeah you're right he is burning people he, and he did burn the seven and some some other lords and, and things like that he is worshiping yeah. the strange quote-unquote strange red god and has this sorceress with him of course <clears throat> Mel Hunter didn't actually come to the battle but Everybody kind of expected that she'd be there. They heard about her and, and all that. Uh, so, but people will at least in public switch or switch their religion for the sake of peace and security. Whatever, yeah, you know. So the next phase of the battle is we go back outside to Tyrion. He leads this charge, like you said. There's a lot more actual action in the book. He's he actually kills several people, and he's got uh, Kingsguard with him, helping him fight, and that makes a lot that makes a lot of difference, and especially because they're effective. He's got Podrick with him, of course. Podrick is with him in both. Always Podrick. <laughs> Podrick is cool. And, but this is, so in the books, there's a huge difference here. And this is one of those where you just absolutely forgive the show for not including this, is the bridge of boats. Yeah, <laughs> It's yeah. like you got horses riding on collapsing ships with fire <clears throat> everywhere. It's like, there's no way they can film that. Uh, but it's still a really important scene. This is actually in the show. Uh, in the show, Tyrion says, these are brave men. Let's go kill them. 
But in the books, he says that to the men crossing the bridge of boats. Pretty, same line, slightly different use, but whatever. Um, it's also when he gets badly wounded by Mandon Moore, who, uh, you know, that's a whole other story, like why Mandon Moore did that. It's still debated in the fandom, by the way, who sent him. People still don't know for sure. I have my thoughts. We'll come back to that some other time after you've had a time, a uh, chance to, to read through it and, and make your uh, make Tyrion thinks it's Cersei. Right. That doesn't mean it was. Right. The other, the other candidate's Littlefinger, because Mandon Moore is from the Vale. It could be Joffrey. Yeah, it could be Joffrey. You're right. There are other candidates, but I think I think Joffrey is generally not included in that, on that list. But it's definitely possible. Um, and so he's... So wait a minute. You're saying all the mysteries of the books haven't been solved? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's a few left. <laughs> and so he's got his you know hor- horrible facial wound from, from that. And uh, Mandon Moore is immediately killed, just like in the, in the show. He goes overboard in the books instead of just being stabbed through the face. So another difference between the books and the show. Sure. That, you know, I think that they made up for the, the battle across the bridge of, of sinking boats. Yeah. Was that wildfire explosion. I think that was the most spectacular thing, I think, that had happened. I, I think there's only one other thing competing with that for... When you use the word awesome, the word awesome is kind of like lost its meaning because like, oh, those new shoes are awesome. <laughs> but, you know, the idea of like awe inspiring, you know, that explosion was like and the characters reactions around, too, was really, really awesome. And I think the only thing up to that point that compares to that was Danny's Dragons being born. And even since that, there's only maybe a couple moments of the show yeah, that have been right. that impressive. Yeah, know? that's a good point. Um, cause you don't know it's gonna have, you know, wildfire is like, it's been built up to be this, this deadly, you know, burning incident, but you didn't know it was going to blow up like that. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't know yeah. it was going to be this giant, you thought it was just going to be like fire and spreading and, but yeah, the giant explosion wasn't certain about that until we saw it. And it was another little moment that we got from the show that the book couldn't do was the people's reactions to it. Yes. Tyrion was like, almost seemed like he regretted it. It's like, Oh, I didn't know I was going to do that. And yeah. Joffrey was kind of a little giddy. He's like, Ooh, you know? Joffrey like, loved it. <laughs> yeah, it was a really good moment. So, like in just an image, a flash of an image, like in three-ish seconds, we got such development of those characters and that imagery. And, and interestingly, too, Joffrey doesn't know. He doesn't know what's going to happen. That's true. So he's yeah. kind of yelling at Tyrion, like, Hurry up, what are you waiting you know, for? What are you doing? Yeah. yeah, do it. You know, and he's like, and Tyrion's just like ignoring him. Yeah. <laughs> um, another interesting uh, character. You talked. We, we touched on this a little bit before with Cersei and talking about women's weapons. The, some of the same dialogue is present in the book and show, which I yeah. appreciate. She talks about they're bleeding uh, out here, you're bleeding in here. It's like, yeah. damn, Cersei. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and all that talk about what happens during a sack. And that is discussed in a couple of different ways. Cersei talks about, you know, how awful men get when, you know, during a sack, which is interesting because we know from later that Stannis would not stand for a sack. Stannis would not have allowed a sack. It may have happened anyway because he can't control it. But But he had some of his soldiers gelded for raping wildlings after uh, the battle at the wall, when he rescues uh, the wall from, from uh, the wildlings and Mance Raider. So that is actually not something that would happen, not to any great degree. Of course, like Cersei says, they just go, they lose control. But Stannis actually is, I mean, they're not the unsullied where they're not going to do anything without being ordered to, but Stannis keeps his men under control more so than any other commander that I can think of. Uh, And, that same conversation also comes up where Cersei said she'd rather face a thousand swords than be just be helpless like this. And that, that conversation is carried over. Um, and also, the, interestingly, we have Shay in both book and show. Shay is, yeah. is mentioned casually. Like Cersei says, 
that pretty maid, a lady Tanda, she certainly won't be safe, you know, and it's that's Shay. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, Shay in the show is a much older character. Not old, obviously. Sabilka Kelly's not old, but she's not 18, which is what Book Shay is. And you have some crossover of Shay and Dantos for Book of Show giving Sansa advice on on what to do. And uh, you also get Cersei directly confronting Shay. Yes. It kind of gets interrupted by, I think, uh, Lancel coming in with news, but it you were afraid for her for a moment. Like, Cersei's going to dig out who she was. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and that's not in the book because she's not, mostly just points her out and then kind of forget, you know, that's it. There's no other talk about her. Um, but that's another example of some other characters that are around. You have Lady Tanda, you have Lawless Stokeworth, who is her daughter. And that's, that's eventually, you know, Braun eventually gets, goes, goes all Stokeworth. <laughs> <laughs> that was another, um, as you're pointing out earlier, the, the morale within the city, that in the books, there are people within the city, like raiding and looting. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And Cersei's like, Chop their heads off and put them on spikes. We can't have. We yeah, can't we let this start. Have, you know? Yeah, because once it gets out of hand, and, it, it's like a tide, like, or it's like a, it's like the wildfire. Once <clears> the fire starts, it spreads. And she tells Cersei. She tells Sansa. She's like, one day, you know, learn, learn from this. You need people to be more afraid of you than alternatives. You know, yeah. that's the way to lead. And Sansa, by the way, it's like love, love, not hate. I'm not going to use hate or fear. Yeah. I want to use love. You know? That's a that's a perfect example of, of stuff that I wanted to talk, that we're going to cover again when we come back to this episode in Valar Reredus because there's some, yeah, there's Sansa queen foreshadowing big time in this chapter as well as Tyrion's d- destructiveness as well as some other things that we're not covering at all but there is some amazing foreshadowing for other plot lines that we just don't have time to cover today but just goes to show how much is going on here. Um, so, Let's talk a little more about Sansa uh, and, and Cersei and those scenes um, outside of the battle. Another thing that happens in both is the singing. There's the singing in the sept. They, mm-hmm. uh, Sansa leads, uh, leads the singing, and that's uh, pretty important. That keeps the women a little calm, gives them something to do, uh, fills them with a little bit of faith, which is important. And that's a good segue to some questions that we got here. Um, from it, By the way, it's also yeah. a good example of the show and the final season and season eight Sansa, you know, down in the crypts. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like a failing. I feel like, yeah, exactly. I feel yeah. like those lessons that she was learning there with Cersei should have been reflected in the final season, but they didn't. It was a big miss, you know, Stephen Stark says, as he says, a legend, Shea is the best. Sean is the Prince of Luxembourg. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> if you say it enough times, it'll become true. <laughs> yes, let's do it. Let's petition to make Sean the actual Prince of Luxembourg. We can do it. Social media. Don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Stark also asked, during the battle, Sansa sings a song to Sandor and it calms him. Also, Davos prays to the mother and is saved. Evidence of the seven in action. Um We'll, call, we'll talk about Sansa and Sandor a little bit later, but let's talk about the Davos part because I, I definitely... Um, well, hey, let's right talk about it. how the seven are real. They're like making a difference. <laughs> well, it might be. That's that's his, kind of what he's getting at here. And it's true. Davos prays to the mother and is saved. Meanwhile, his four sons slash one son in the show are devout Reloris now and they all die. And meanwhile, it's true what Sansa, this, this point about Sansa, she sings to Sandor, it kind of calms him down. He cries, in fact, in the show, or in the book, not in the show. He's a little less emotional about it in the show, but it's still a very moving scene. And it kind of shows that Sandor is really important. And, uh, but we'll talk about that a little more later, sticking to this bit about the seven. And uh, there's another example, if I can, I'm, I'm forgetting it though. But yeah, so that's kind of interesting because there's no, throughout the books, it's, it's generally accepted that the seven don't seem to have any real power. But 
Yeah. If you want to look for it, well, this is maybe maybe not evidence, but it's something. It's it's evidence. It just isn't necessary. It's not conclusive evidence, yeah. but it's something. Uh, and certainly Sansa survives <laughs> and, and uh, gets out of some of the worst things. She gets out of her marriage to Joffrey shortly after this, which is <laughs> she does thank the mother in prayer for that one later, too, even though she knows she can't do it in public because <laughs> it uh, would be embarrassing for that was Brown. interesting, too, by the way, in the book, she seemed to know that was happening. Yeah. It seemed to be set up, and she was just, like, watching it unfold. When it shows, she seemed to be able to remember, like, huh, really? You know? like, Or or is she pretending because she she has to? It's kind of unclear whether yeah, she realizes yeah. she has to act. She's supposed to act bereft that she's no longer going to marry Joffrey. Oh, like, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Are you going to throw me in a briar patch, too? I can't recall <laughs> if, if Cersei even tells her to, to look. You better look, you know, if she says a comment. I can't recall. No, no. Does it say anything like that? Okay couldn't recall um she it's possible that sansa remembered someone telling her to okay i it's possible i should have looked that up but it just now occurred to me um okay so backing up to another question from brendan b what battles coming up in the books do you think will end up being even larger than blackwater okay uh, i guess that's a question for me um i would say that the upcoming battle of fire has the makings of a huge battle um in marine there it's it's already multi-pov we've already got barrison and victorian and, and um Tyrion involved so that could be it could get even bigger than that so it's at least as many povs do you, yeah do you think that'll have more povs than the battle of ice i think definitely than the battle of blood yeah i think the battle of blood probably is only gonna have maybe two and that's the that's the one that looks like that's the battle of blood if y'all don't recall is the euron battle that's about to happen at the uh start of next book or around the start of the next book there's so many battles about to start at the start of the next book yeah there's an euron battle and then there's a slaver's bay battle the slaver's bay and, and there's, there's obviously the battle of ice, a, right yeah, which is the battle of the bastards in the show is this is the equivalent um, yeah it's very it's set up to be pretty different but it's um yeah i don't think that one will be as many povs you might get a yara you might get or asha rather and you might get a theon you might get yeah it's hard to say but i think the battle fire is probably our best bet for uh, very likely to be as big or bigger than Battle of Blackwater. After that, it's just impossible to say. We don't know what battles will happen. But there, it seems there's... like the Battle of Wildfire should be bigger than the Battle of Fire. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. And certainly, there'll be some action with the Golden Company and some battles. Unlike the show, they won't just get blown up. <laughs> but uh, that's just hard. That's really hard to predict. So I would definitely say best top pick is Battle of Fire, though. I think that's a really good good call. Um, okay, that's all the questions for the moment. Let's continue. I, I wanted to back up, by the way, because I remember the thing I wanted to point out. Sure. That was one of my favorite moments of the whole series. The moment that I started liking, that Sansa became my favorite character. Okay. Um, and it was similar in the books in a show, but definitely better in a show. When Joffrey's about to head out, and cross paths. Lots of good interaction in that whole thing. Tyrion says, Sheila? She. Because <laughs> he's got to pretend to not even know yeah. who she is, you know. <laughs> A, but that whole scene really was good. really good that, that didn't happen in the books. And it's when <laughs> when Sansa says, uh, tells Joffrey, like, will you be leading, you know, the vanguard from so outside good, the yeah. wall? And he's like, stupid girl, you don't know anything about military command. I'm like, oh, you're right. I am stupid. Of course you'll be leading the vanguard. Just like my brother. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's where my brother always and is. And he's an imposter. You yeah, know? he's like, kiss that's my Joffrey's sword. Joffrey's just like seething. It's he so just good. can't retaliate. It's, Oh, it's man. exactly like what she does to Ramsey later. He's like, oh, another bastard. You yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. like Tom and said, I'm legit. See, he's a bastard too. Yeah. It's like, oh. <laughs> she's really good at that. It's wonderful. Um, and it's, and it's, again, it's like, I've, I've said this a million times, but it's why I appreciate a character so much. Cause unlike the other star kids, 
who were all had these naive ideas of what they wanted, and it's not panning out well, but they still get to run around with a horse and a sword. Rob is still out there with an arm, you know, but yeah. she's locked up. Her day-to-day success is not getting beaten and raped. Yep. And still sticking it to Jeffrey. Yeah, <laughs> screw yeah. you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, good call. Very good call. Another thing I noticed that there's a, this, I didn't catch this at all before, is the parallel between Cersei saying drink and forcing Santa to drink. You're drinking, which is very similar to right before, uh, like in between the tournament, when Ned and Robert are sitting there and Robert is the breastplate stretcher scene. When Robert's yes. like, drink, your king commands it. And he's just like making you sit there and listen. <laughs> he's like, yeah. you're going to listen to me talk and you're going to drink while I'm talking. And it's like, okay. <laughs> so it's a, it's a parallel Cersei and Robert there. They have more in common than, uh, than they necessarily let on. Yeah. I thought that was really neat. Um, and let's back up also to a, a really good show scene that's not in the book is that how the, the bar scene with the hound and Bronn, which like you said, it's part of the reason they did that is to establish those two as, as being more formidable to remind everybody and it also, but it also has another another song, another scene of singing, and right. and people being tense before a battle and all that, which is just really cool. Did you have any thoughts on that? What, what song was it that they sang? They sang the Reigns of Castamere. Yeah. I remember the the theme playing even earlier in season two, if I remember. Right. Yeah. I might be like episode two, which I don't know. It just kind of makes me believe that they had a long term plan, how things were going. You know? Yeah. I mean, we see that again in season eight, really. The, yeah. The night before, but they're singing. We're, yeah. we're, where yeah. Pod is singing. Yeah, obviously. yeah, that's right. So that was Jenny's song, right? Yes, yeah. indeed. And it was a good. beautiful moment. You know, really good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When they do songs on the show, I love it because you know when George writes the words, you like that he go takes the effort to actually write the words on the page. But you had to invent the melody in your head if you can. You know, a lot of them. They, a lot of times, it's for me, they end up sounding like um, some sort of nursery rhyme because Roy Dotrice ends up doing that with a lot of the bo- audio books. He sends it, sings it like, uh, like. Like uh, like some of those Christmas songs. I can't even remember the one I'm thinking of. I want to hear your rendition of Roy Dotrice oh, rhyming God. a song. <laughs> uh, I, can, I can. I'm totally blanking out on how he sings it. He does it like uh, mm-hmm. one of one of these common nursery rhymes, and it just gets. It's like I'll think like of it Humpty here. Dumpty. Yeah, it's something like that. It's something really basic. I've said it before on the stream too, and I'm just mm. I'm just blanking out. I always hear uh, the old seven, the old animated Lord of the Rings. That's how I hear it, because because Tolkien incorporated a lot of songs, and he just put them all into the Lord of the Rings movies, the animated ones from the seventies. So there's these weird extended sequences of like goblins marching, singing the song, you know. But that's like the how I hear the Martin songs as I read them. I see Mandolin five two three, aka Mandy Helton, who did a wonderful Werewood cosplay at Con of Thrones, <laughs> commented. All my northern ladies, put your hands up. We don't need a man to man. In the chat, they've been talking about how Sansa is Sansa Fierce, you know. <laughs> Sansa Queen of the Fierce, North. yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is wonderful. The chat is always lit during our streams. It's great. <laughs> you, y'all are killing it in there. I wish I could pay more attention to the chat. During, it's one of my regrets of being on the stream is I can't can't see what everybody else is saying. It's FOMO. You just got to bow out one of these days and let Sean and I take the lead. I should, yeah. yeah. I'll, I can run. I can, I'm not as good at running things as you are, but I could manage, and then I'd get to read all the chat. Yeah, we'll do that one of these days. Definitely. That's a good idea. One of these days, we could just sit here and read the chat yeah. out and just say, <laughs> You guys run the stream. Yeah. We just sort of the facilitate. Chat <laughs> uh, okay, so some other moments that are really important. Um, as far as some of the action goes, there's a lot of similarity 
in some of the basics, but of course there's a little, there's more detail, more complexity in the book. Uh, like I said in the show, Stannis sails forward. Many ships are destroyed by wildfire. And then Stannis says, okay, well, there's their trick. They don't get to do that twice. Keep going. And then he lands a bunch of ships. In the book, it's similar, but it's the sh- ships in the front that get through and the ships in the back that get blown up. And we're not seeing Stannis at all. He's just not no, in it at all. Stannis is leading Which, from the rear. Once again, it's understandable. I'm not like upset that we didn't get Stannis except in the book because I think it's genius the way that Martin picked out different POVs to give us. However, it was a great moment when Stannis is like, all right, th- this changes nothing. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is fine. He's like, hundreds will die. He's like, He's like thousands. thousands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Undaunted. And that's not cruelty. That's not ruthlessness. That's just Stannis being correct. Yeah. He's like, no, this thousands. is the mission. Yeah. He's like, no, it'll be thousands. Yeah. Fewer <laughs> or more. <laughs> not fewer, more. <laughs> more. And, but you're right. And the part of the thing in the, in the books is Stannis isn't with the Navy. He's with his right. army right. on the other side of the Blackwater waiting to be crossed over, waiting to be bridged over. An interesting moment when the when the Sir Emery's fleet arrives, there the warning to King's Landing is three horn blasts. Which is you he always gotta pay attention when there's three horn blasts. By the way, <laughs> there was a Danny chapter where she kept thinking about all the threes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. she is I didn't even three. think about that for the three horn yeah. blasts. Yeah. There's so many threes in just her first chapter. It's crazy or in her marriage chapter. It's crazy. You have to go back and check that yeah. out. But, but she's not actively thinking about it. She's not. They're just right. there. There's a scene yeah. when she started thinking about okay. it. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, that's different when she starts to be aware of it. And so, like you said uh, earlier, there's. The... I think it was when three ships is when when oh, okay. strong Bellwest yeah and strong beard because guys can't get very creative <laughs> show up with three ships to bring her back. Am I remembering that right? Yeah, yeah. And she starts reflecting on all the threes that have come up. You know? mm, yeah, that's cool. There are three revenges. Yeah, she's thinking about the three, three treasons. The three and treasons. That's what it she's was. She's got three know? handmaids, three blood riders, yeah. three eggs. She was speculating eggs. on what the three might be. It was neat to read that, like knowing where things are going. You're like, no. Oh, that's not this isn't the one yeah, yeah. so <laughs> along with uh book davos here um along with the three horn blasts you get his, we talked about his ship to ship fighting um against the, the ship called the white heart we talked about the missiles and the stones and all the fire uh what's interesting is that sir emery actually warns the fleet to expect wildfire they just had no idea that there would be so much yeah they thought yeah. it would be a small amount that they was like don't worry about it they'll run out quickly <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, oops, they did not. They did not run out quickly. <laughs> <laughs> that Arrested Development style. Yeah. Oh yeah, and Davos. Davos has all these really. Davos's POV is perfect because he's a smuggler and he has all. He's so good at observing. And as as you say, as Sir Emery is just barreling forward, heedless. Stan, or Davos is like, wait a second, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? Why is why are those, what are those towers doing there? He notices the winch towers and then he really, and he sees the chain. He's like, but he doesn't know what they're going to do sense with of it. It's like, it doesn't matter if they split us in half. We're still just going to land. Yeah. Like, he says, that'll be just a minor delay. How could this be their plan? So he's so, so confused. And that's, that's, a, it's one of those moments where we're not confused. We don't exactly know how the chain and wildfire are going to work, but we know what Davos doesn't, which, which is what the plan actually is. Yeah. So we know, we see also that Tyrion has, some of his plans have worked pretty well in that he's blocked a lot of the ports. Like the the keys are have burnt hulks in them so that Stannis' ships can't just easily land and drop men off. So they have to go around the, the ports to find other spots to land, which in the meantime exposes them to more missile fire. So they're 
uh, there's a longer time where they're in range of weapons and are taking more hits and, and ships are catching fire, men are being hit by arrows, all that. So on the show, the show and book to, uh, shows the next part pretty well, uh, or pretty similarly, which is once they start landing, Santa starts landing men, they start bringing the battering ram up. And that's when we see uh, the scene where Tyrion leads the men out the side. And you see in both show and book, they overturn the battering ram and stop that. But then a much larger army shows up, which is Stannis having lent more, landed more of his men. And that's when you get the equivalent in the show. It's just an overwhelming battle where there's guys on both sides and Tyrion very quickly gets his face cut. In the book, you have the bridge of boats, so it's a little more extended. There's a little more slaughter. And then Tyrion's wound, which is also much more substantial, uh, but lands him in a similar spot. And um, then pretty similarly, after once the battle is lost, uh, once, the, once Stannis' men are turning around because of the assault on the south side of the Blackwater, of the sneak attack, which, now this is the part I want to get your opinion on, because you haven't read all the aftermath stuff yet, because a lot of that's the beginning of the Storm of Swords. So this is partly we're going to avoid some of this stuff because you haven't even gotten there. I've accidentally spoiled a few things for you already when we were talking about it offline because I, I don't exactly have in mind where exactly everything is. You know, I know what all the things that happened basically, but I forget whether some things are talked about right after or in the Storm of Swords. So, so you're not super aware of the deal with Renly's ghost here. You hear Dantos saying to Sansa that it was Renly. It was Renly. So what did, what did that mean to you when you read that? You're like, Renly, what the, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, I, I just assumed that, that someone was mistaken, that someone just thought that someone was Renly and wasn't. You know, that's the only thing that I can make sense of. I guess it's, that's all, that's, the, that's as far as my mind went with it. Okay. You know? I mean, that's basically true. It is. It was a mistake, but it was an intentional mistake. They wanted people mm-hmm. to think it was Renly because, if you recall, once Renly was killed, his army kind of broke apart, <coughs> and it was a huge army. Uh, so a lot of them went over to the Tyrells because Loras led them, and Loras was certainly not going to switch to Stannis after, after what had happened because he blames Stannis for the murder of Renly, and, of course, he loved Renly. And so Tyrell, the Tyrells got a lot of that army, and there was some fighting over it. Randall Tarley, like, killed a bunch of Florence and sort of forcefully took over the army. But a lot of them went, did go to Stannis. And, but then when they saw this person wearing Renly's armor, they assumed he was not dead. They, they thought it was all just a rumor. And so that's who they had wanted to follow in the first place. So they switched back. So there's a little bit of confusion because as Tyrion is badly wounded... And, and even before he's badly wounded, he sees what appears to be men fighting on the other side of the river. And he see, he seems it's like Stannis' men, are they fighting each other? And it's unclear whether they are. They definitely do fight each other, but it's unclear if that's what he's seeing at that moment. Um, basically, the difference is that, yes, Tywin and Randall Tarly and Mace Tyrell attack the rear of Stannis' army, um, partly... They're partly able to succeed in sneaking up on him because of Tyrion's wildlings, his Vale clansmen, and their killing of Stannis' scouts. That was, that's a really important small part of this that's not, I don't think that's in the show. Um, but it's super important for allowing the, sneak, the sneaky part of the sneak attack to work. And then once that happens, you do have Stannis' men fighting each other because, like I said, some of them think they're now fighting for Renly again, so they switch away. But after that, once they start retreating, because Salador's sound ships were not caught behind the chain, they start to arrive to pick up Stannis to flee. And a lot of the Florence leave as well. But then, well, Salador's sound doesn't have enough room for all of Stannis' sh- soldiers. And then they do start fighting each other. To because see who gets 
to get on a ship yeah, to get rescued or whatever. Right. So it's it's the the panic. You see panic on. It's really interesting. We probably won't ever see this again. Both armies experience panic and full flight. It's not Tywin's army doesn't flee, but the, the city watch does right. and, and kill some of their own leader. They kill some Jaslin. I pointed out that Jaslin Bywater was murdered by his own men. A lot of other officers were killed by their own men, too, in the book. So that's something that's really unique is that kill both the sides masters. have. Yeah, kill the masters. <laughs> <laughs> is that you have. And that's actually, that's she's joking, but that's a great point is that these people don't want to be fighting. It's a perfect example of like, this is all a bunch of bull. <laughs> like, yeah. mm-hmm. this, this is. The High Lord's fighting over the throne that is a silly kind of when you really get down to it, it's a really ridiculous fight. And all these innocents are being slaughtered. All this property is being destroyed. Ridiculous as it is, it is history. Yeah. It oh, just right. is the history of Europe. You're That's absolutely just, right. Yeah. It's preposterous to me. <laughs> That's something we're not even bringing up, how similar this, there's a ton of historical influences on this battle. Like, for example, at Con of Thrones, there was a... Battle of Blackwater historical influences, like comparing it to the Battle of Constantinople, where there was wildfire, the equivalent of a Greek fire, rather, and all these other th- features that are similar. Um, but we're not even going to get into that. Today. That's a whole other, <laughs> whole other topic. Um, so, just remember listening to the podcast, the Daniele Bellelli podcast about Joan of Arc, and he kind of gives us the background of the Hundred Years' War. It's all it is. They're just yeah. arguing about which person, which bloodline you're following to be the king, and and he, Bellelli, loved the idea that. There was they almost agreed on this just duel amongst kings to see what it was, but instead they decided to kill thousands of other innocent people instead of fight it out themselves. You know. So what we'll do here, we've got a couple more uh, things to mention, but mostly what we're going to do is, is is resolve those and then move on to the Con of Thrones chat. So what we might do for our next Saturday live stream is maybe we'll finish this off. If enough people have interest in it, if that's something you want to do, we can talk about the aftermath because there's a lot of really interesting. The aftermath of the Battle of Blackwater is perhaps as interesting as the battle itself and uh, just all the different changes of the guard in terms of lordships and who gets executed, who gets promoted, and, and all the different things like that. There were several moments but in the scene where Tywin and the council and, and Joffrey are like handing out accolades. Yeah. Sansa's witnessing all this. It's, I, I, I imagine for like people studying, you know, people like before connected to this i'm trying to imagine someone reading this book when it came out yeah 15 year i don't know how many years ago it came out like, 98 so 21 okay, years ago so, god <laughs> don't say it out loud <laughs> uh, it ends in pretty cliffhanger notes man it's yeah, it like, <laughs> there's a lot you have to wait to find out what's happening next for i can't imagine what people went through back then <laughs> well i mean what i did was i can tell you i i read it in 2000 so storm Swords was out but but feast for crows wasn't so what i did was i was on I was a traveling consultant. I was in Walnut Creek, California. And I finished Clash of Kings sitting in, I'm sitting in my hotel room and I'm not the, I don't have a car. My coworker had rented the car because I wasn't even 25 yet. So I just looked up online. I'm like, where's the nearest Barnes and Noble? And I walked there. I was like a mile. I was like, luckily it was only like a mile. So I walked. I'm like, I just walked in there and got the next book. <laughs> like, I'm, I got to find out what the heck happens. <laughs> I was ready. I was like, I swear I was reading while I was walking. <laughs> I like, started reading before I even got back to the hotel. So yeah, that was cool. We uh, so I was I remember reading that and just having to know what happened and wanting to talk about the aftermath and, and seeing where things went from there, and then Storm of Swords just grabs you and keeps going. It's the most uh, action packed of all the five books, probably. Um, it's it's kind of a climax of the first main set of arcs, and then A Feast for Crows and Dance of Dragons is kind of a, a reset where you get some new arcs resetting, and and it's kind of like Act Two in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. um, so let's three thousand page books. 
Comprises <laughs> yeah. Act One. <laughs> so as far as non-political action, as far as just people who died or were badly wounded, stuff that's more apparent, because uh, like I said, we'll save the, the the greater aftermath pieces for another time. Tyrion's face is horribly wounded, and his recovery is, is an, an immediate part of the end of Clash of Kings. He dreams of himself not having a mouth, which is <coughs> sort of true in his dream state, with he has the plaster over it, but it's... Uh, Certainly it gives it makes us think about some of those uh, theories of Tyrion not being able to speak later in his arc. Um, Lancel is horribly wounded. His his wound gets really bad. Oh, really? That's, yeah. That didn't happen in the book did mm-hmm. I, so far. Um, I wanted to point out something about Tyrion. Uh, a, a couple things, really. Sure. I imagine Martin. Like, when when was Martin born? Did you guys know quite when he was born? Uh, he was born he in um, like the fifth... He, the f- 40s late 40s like he would have he would have known people like he lived through war two and he was born in 1948 okay so okay so he didn't live through war two but but his family did right he was born in the post he probably would have met some people in his life scarred by war oh yeah you know yeah and i mean not not even from that i mean think about vietnam and other wars since then you know there's there's a that would have been during his war or something right um so also, it made me think a bit about some parallels between Tyrion and Robert McNamara. Okay. Robert McNamara, who didn't want to get into Vietnam, but he was just the Secretary of Defense. So he was in charge while they were there. And he was kind of like, Tyrion doesn't want this war. He's so upset that Joffrey killed Ned, but uh, but now he's a hand. He's in charge. And people, even though he's genuinely looking out for people, he's still like the bad guy. Like, the, the people of the city don't like him. McNamara, he had to get up in front of the press and answer all these questions about Vietnam. He was the face of it. He was not a popular character. He was like a villain to the American society. Also, McNamara developed firebombing. Oh. Tyrion blew up the wildfire. Like, oh. I wonder how much Martin, even if it was subconscious, was paralleling Tyrion to McNamara. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great point because he would have been in a very formative years. Uh, that we're talking about him in yeah. his 20s and... Like he was a, he was a, uh, he got a deferral. I forget. He got a non, uh, a pa- what, what's the, um, the pacifist deferral to not go to war? What do they call that? I'm not sure. A conscientious objector. Yeah. That's, that's right. It. He was yeah. a conscientious objector uh, himself. So he did not go. Um, but yeah, that's, you're right. And not whether, and it certainly affected him, whether, you know, however directly or not. Um, that's just such a huge thing. Just the trauma of war passes down from many generations. Certainly. Yeah. So, uh, of course, beyond so Lancel, you'll you'll read more about that, the details. But yeah, Lancel's wound is not uh, isn't something he easily recovers from. The Hound, of course, he doesn't. He's not injured, but he's uh, you know physically, but he's mentally tra- traumatized badly, and then he's had enough. Like a lot of characters, he and his he's interesting because we talked about how nobody wants to be there, <laughs> nobody <laughs> wants to fight. But the Hound is special because he actually gets to leave because he no one can stop him yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> other people are like we aren't bound so we have to yeah, stay here in this maybe battle five or ten people <laughs> that have the ability to leave if they want because no one can stop them and that's really important with the scene with santa which is something we hadn't talked about a whole lot those scenes are fairly similar um they go sort of the same way uh in the end it's it's not you know santa's a little bit afraid but she sings to him and i don't think she sings to him in the show does she she just uh no no, but but she certainly there's an emotional, a strong emotional resonance. And he is sort of uh, he's torn. You can tell he's torn because he's she's the kind of person that if he were a knight, he would be he would protect her. And he also probably reminds her of of his own sister 
who Gregor apparently killed. It's kind of a rumor. It's not really ever substantiated, but there, there was a sister and she died and it's Gregor is generally blamed for it. And, I think uh, the, uh, the singing moment in the show was when she, she, and, and both of them, he's coming ca- across aggressive. Yes. And, and he just generally is, but he maybe more so now and she's scared, but she calms him by singing in the book and the show. She says, you won't hurt me. And it's it's hard to tell if it was a, a, an observation or a command, <laughs> but he doesn't hurt her. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's right. He, he kind of recognizes that she's right that he won't. You know. I yeah, I think of it as an observation, and I kind of think it's a lot more meaningful for her to say something. Yeah, to it's him very brave. Yeah, rather than just sing him a song, which yeah. is its own meaning. But I like the show version more. I think. Yeah, I think I think there's a good good case we made. Yeah, because also because it's such an emotional moment and the acting. When you have an emotional moment and the acting is really good, that's just something that it's difficult for a book to match acting. Yeah. George is amazing with his words, but it's, it's human facial features <laughs> when and done right are just. There's they, other they, things they that add to more, other filmmaking aspects add to it too, like the cut, the edit from the, from his face to her face. Yeah. The music can the tone of the music that can hit at the moment. That those are also things that can add that the show maybe can't Martin gets to say exactly what Sans is thinking, but he doesn't say exactly what Sandor's thinking. Right. right. But Rory McCain, is that his name? He Rory can. McCain, yeah. He can convey it. The music and the editing can convey it. So. And you see also that um, there's a slight difference in how Sansa, why Sansa goes to her room. In the, in the show, it's, it's Shay saying, you got to go. Like, they're, you know, if, if they're breaking through the walls, you know, you're in big danger. You got to go bar your door. And... In the book, it's Dantos telling her the same thing, and yeah. then Dantos who comes find her, finds her afterwards, and tells her the result and that they, you know, that they've they've won, they've won. Cersei's <laughs> not even sure who she wants yeah. to win. <laughs> Cersei uh, calls her on that too. She's like, well, she says, she, she says the prayer, victory, pray victory of who, or something like She's that. Like, yeah. no, I pray for you know, it's like I, I keep you in my thoughts, just like Joffrey or yeah. whatever she says. <laughs> you know, it's like I pray, just like I prayed for Joffrey, and it's like, uh, wait that, she said that to Tyrion. Yeah, she said that. Yeah, and Tyrion's, Tyrion's like, like mm. <laughs> wait <laughs> so a minute. <laughs> her wordplay is so good there. Yeah. Okay, so a couple other things about uh, like people who died, and then we'll talk about some kind of throne stuff. So in the show, it's Mathos who dies, Davos's son. But in the books, it's four of yeah. Davos's sons, which is really harsh. There's Emery Florent dies, even though he's not killed in the wildfire uh, blow up. He does die. The key, a key commander for Stannis' ground forces is Sir Guyard Morgan. And he's not super important, but he was one of Renly's Rainbow Guards. So it was, okay. you know, that's kind of important. He was the green. So he's a green. He was the Guyard the green, and he ends up fighting the guy in Renly's armor who is green. Oh. So it's a green battle, and uh, Garland wins that one. And then, of course, Sir Mandon Moore is killed in both very similar ways by Podrick in both book and show. Jaslyn Bywater, we talked about, he's Iron Hand, and he predict, kind of predicts his own death, and uh, there's fallout for that. And um, that's basically it. There's a lot of, you know, random characters killed, smaller, minor characters, but as far as named characters who die, that's basically it, uh, as far as the ones we've named. Um, a couple more questions here. We have Marley for Ashea. Very Thank you, Mara, for that, and from Jennifer Shanley-Clark. This is for Ashea to get a drink after the stream for dealing with all the tech stuff today. Boy, we should have tech problems more often. <laughs> no, not more. No, just kidding. Just kidding. We definitely should not. Uh, Abort Consciousness says maybe she was saying it to herself, maybe to assure herself. And I think that's in reference to Sansa. You want bolster, her bolstering her own confidence. Yeah. yeah. 
it's a multi. She has to believe it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So unless you have any final thoughts on the battle, we, as I said, we could pick it up another time and talk about the aftermath a little, maybe a month from now. But let's see. I don't um, think I will ever have final thoughts on the battle. <laughs> <laughs> Last minute thoughts. Well said. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there, any other things you want to squeeze in right now? Yeah, I think I think I like. I started to say it earlier that there's so much like. I think I got distracted with thinking about how like how how much it left uh, dangling and you know like yeah. cliffhangery type moments. But the other thought I had was like, I understand why forums exist, why all the. Uh, proliferation of of the fandom because there's so much to think about when when there's like scrolling through the names of the different ships yeah captains and like no there's they all have stories they're all connected (laughs) they're going to come into play somehow like when when danny's thinking about the different threes by the way i started reading duncan egg also yeah and so when he keeps at the tournament he's like going through all the heraldry and everything like there's so much richness to that not only does it give you these neat images but uh, I imagine it's a good tool for George. It allows him to like foster his garden. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, totally. Yeah. And you're right. For example, but Davos' ship is called Black Betha. Black Betha was married to Aegon V, the Unlikely, who is Danny's great, great, great grandfather. <laughs> so it's kind of neat. Just those little stories like that. It's just yeah. a perfect example of something we didn't really have time for. Oh, I guess I squeezed it in. <laughs> but there's more to it. There's more about Black Betha. And we'll be discussing her more in our Blackwood episode coming up. That's a, a good time for that. You don't know anything else about Duncan Egg, right, Sean? I've read about the first half of the first but book. But you didn't know anything else much going into it. I know that he's related to uh, Brienne, right? Duncan. I, I think, right? And you yeah, know Duncan, you, yeah. so you know that about Duncan. I know there's a story about... Uh, some of it's like juxtaposed in my mind, the names, the characters and everything. But um, like I know that he's... Uh, a, a, a prince. That he's a like prince. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just didn't know if you Some knew. of that, I, I, I didn't know if I didn't know, I was like piecing it together. Beca- you know? became king. Yeah, yeah. Like, for example, that was kind of what I was getting at without wanting to spoil you, that he yeah. becomes actual I, king. I, I didn't know that, and I, but I suspect, even if I didn't, with all the other things I do know, I might have pieced that together by now. Okay. Right. Cool. All right, some shout-outs to patron supporters who keep the show running. We are super grateful to you all who have supported us on Patreon. Uh, it is it is life for us. This enables us to do all the episodes that we do. Thanks to Vorsaki, wielder of a Valyrian steel arak with a dragonbone hilt, Koakoi, called Sunpiercer, wielder of a dragonbone bow, and Kakavo the Tamer, wielder of the wildfire whip Gehenna. Also thanks to our queens of love and beauty from the depths of Flea Bottom, Lord Ken of House Hammer, has declared for Queen Carrie, Fire of the North, who recovered Dark Sister from beyond the wall. And a laurel of glory in the name of love to Bud of House Beresford, Knight of Tolkien and Arbiter of Scotch from Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys and Lady of Jameson. Whole whole alcohol wars there. You got Jameson <laughs> versus uh, the Arbiter of Scotch. <laughs> so that's cool. And a friendly course, rivalry. A friendly rivalry. Yes, they are married. So you'd hope it's a, a friendly rivalry. <laughs> Sounds like a lovely couple. And our Ironborn captains get a shout-out this time. How about Black Matto Stormrider, captain of the Rusted Hinge, who we hung out with at Con of Thrones and generally hang out with a lot of cons. He's a, an, an excellent con attendee, our good buddy Matt McSorley. Sir Selvis Redblade of White Harbor is There's captain. There's something else about Matt McSorley. Something else, huh? Oh, is we're, it his birthday gonna, today, no, right? No, no, but we're going to uh, Ireland. And he's going to be there. Huh? Yeah, we're staying with him for part of our trip. Heck I'm not yeah, with him. We're getting right. an Airbnb together. 
The community I could be strong. wrong, but I think his birthday was soon, if not today or recent oh, or whatever. Yeah, oh, I think really? it was. Well, happy birthday, Matt. Black Macho Storm Rider. He's like, it's not for six months. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take it. Maybe I'm misremembering. Send gifts. So Sir Selvis Redblade of White Harbor, Captain of Trident of the North, is next up. Then Lord Chuck Laws, Captain of the Droman Nightblood, Destroyer of Evil. Hey, Chuck, how you doing? John Gregor, Captain of the Fist of the Drowned God. Sir Kieran of Lonely Delight is Scourge of the Sunset Sea, Captain of Naga's Breath, a Droman armed with siphons of wildfire. Perfect. Even though the Ironborn were nowhere near this battle, that ship would have been useful. What about, hey. what about Naga's Breasts? <laughs> Naga's Breasts. I don't, I don't know anything about Naga's Breasts. No comment. <laughs> Uh, Eileen is Archer Queen Captain of the Border Collie. Crimson Kate is Captain of the Drowned Queen's Vengeance. Jasana the Justice Collector of Tolls, Captain of the Golden Gift. Lord Mitch of House Bailey is Captain of Widow's Blood. His heir is Lordling Mason of House Bailey. Beneath the Gold is a podcast focusing on lesser-known A Song of Ice and Fire characters. And Prakash, the Lord Protector of the Gallifreyans, is Captain of the Tardis of the Seven Seas. Obvious Doctor Who reference there. Very nice. And that is it for the shout outs. Thank you all again for supporting History of Westeros. If you are so inclined, you can check out um, uh, our other episodes on either Acast or YouTube. And we are, of course, in the midst of Valar Reredus. Episode 7 is coming up on Sunday. That involves Ned's fever dream at the Tower of Joy. That talks about Tyrion's story with Tysha. There's always huge things happening, no matter what section of the book we're dealing with at that time. There are no lulls especially when you're doing seven chapters at a time. So are we going to go to the con? Yeah, let's talk about the con. Because I have a good segue as we read our supporters there. Yeah. You get to meet a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. And I got a good picture with my Lord Commander and my hand. Uh, yeah. I posted it on Facebook last night, a bunch of pictures. Right on. And I think Shay has got some pictures. Yeah, I've got one too. good. Here's one good picture that has a bunch of our, you know, listeners and mods here as dragons, like Laura Boros. Yeah. And some others. There's four of them in their dragon group, as you can see there, which is awesome. Dragon has four heads. Yeah, four mm-hmm. heads. But yeah, they each had a different color and mm-hmm. matching leggings. And it was just super cute. I loved it. So big. Uh, was that all you had for that? Well, just we yeah, well, just one of the overarching things to talk about at cons is the people you get to meet. A lot of yes. these personalities you know online vaguely, all of a sudden you meet them in person and you go to a panel together, get drunk together, you know, <laughs> yeah. take some pictures together. It's Here's a really another great, great example experience. is Mandy, who's in our chat right now. Of course, she did an amazing Werewood cosplay that I have oh, on the yeah. screen right now. Me yeah. and Mandy, a picture of us together, and then a picture um, from behind, including her with uh, Stephanie Vale, um, I believe. And uh, so that's beautiful Werewood work. I loved it. One of my favorite cosplays of the weekend, personally. Oh, and look, we have not San Rixians in the chat along with the yeah. man of the Disputed Lands. Yes. The chat is bumping, y'all. Yeah, San Rixian <laughs> had a great Arya cosplay, too, oh, I yeah. must say. She did. She just looks so much like Maisie Williams, so it's pretty perfect, I think. That's true. That is true. It really helps when you, when you have the look <laughs> already. <laughs> Sean that- had a great picture opportunity with an actor. I got yeah, a picture yeah. of it here. Let's talk about that. Speaking of characters who are in the Battle of Blackwater. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely one of the fun things about the con. And, and as we're, we get invited as special guests. And so we get to a little extra access to some of the other fun special guests like actors. There was a, a moment when we were at a lunch and uh, Jerome Flynn 
had to walk by me to get to the food. <laughs> and I, I like lean over to Shay because I'm wearing his shirt, you know, like I have the bronze shirt on and like lean over to Shay and read it. I'm like, hey, how aggressive should I interrupt him? And Shay just like stands up. Hey, Jerome, this is one of your biggest fans right here. <laughs> I didn't even finish my sentence. So she's like introducing us. And I'm like, I show the shirt and he looks at it. And I'm like, I, I, I don't want to interrupt your meal, but I, I can't miss this opportunity. He's like, yeah, he yeah, comes over, takes my shoulder. I didn't even want to fumble around with my phone. So thanks to Rita for like snapping the shot there. <laughs> my um, thoughts there were that he was standing in line to get his food. He had to wait anyway. <laughs> I was like, no, well, he was about to get it. All. I was like, you don't want to ask him when he's grabbed After his he's already food got his hands full of plate. And yeah, like, yeah. This is our chance. Otherwise, we have to wait around for him to finish. And it's awkward. Favorite fortune's the bold. Yeah, favorite fortune's the bold. I figured favorite I, I, I figured bold. I, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> 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 but, uh, <laughs> we're, the, we're talking like Yoda today <laughs> like yoda we talk <laughs> uh, but uh, no i figured i'd take the hit towards being embarrassing like maybe you were slightly embarrassed but so, i was the one that was like hey so the next day well hang on hang on i got okay. a broad right, story go too right, so, yeah, yeah. so i was sitting back in there in between panels i go back to get a you know coffee there's it's a it's a endless fount of coffee so of course i'm gonna hang out near that and i'm the only one in the room and Jerome just walks in, you know, he's just on, he's just been on stage or something. He walks in, he's got like a two of his entourage with him, his assistant and somebody else. And I'm the only other one in the room. So just to not make it weird, I guess he walks up and he's just walks up to me and is like, Hey, I'm Jerome. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm Aziz, big fan. So that was neat. It's not like he knew who I was. He's not like, I, right, Hey, I have to meet you Aziz. No, but he just, just to be polite. So he was a cool guy. I and, really liked uh, that story you guys told me. About Jamie. Oh, yeah, Jamie. Okay, so uh, I'm sitting there. You have a Jamie story, too, but yeah. I'll, I'll do mine first, I guess. So I'm, we're, I'm sitting there at a table, uh, again, in the hospitality suite, and it's me and Jason Concepcion and Mallory Rubin of The Ringer and Binge Mode, and I think Dave Gonzalez from Storm of Spoilers. Maybe there was one other person at the table, but I forget. It's all a blur. And it's the same situation where Nikolai has to walk past us to get his food. And definitely no one's interrupting him because he's with his two daughters and his wife. So we're definitely not going to be like, oh, hey, Nikolai, blah, blah, blah. But we're all, of course, like looking at him, you know, like stealing a glance. Like, oh, there he is. He's getting his food. (laughs) And uh, so he gets his food, walks past us. And then after he walks past us, he turns around and looks at us. And we're all like, he's going to talk to us. And he says, I'm surprised they don't have, he pauses, he has to think about it for a second, lemon cakes here, you know, <laughs> to eat. And we're all just like, ah, we all just like melt. And then he gets back to his table and then Mallory leans down with the, the you know, that quiet whisper thing, you know, that people can do. And she goes, he talked to us. Yeah. And I'm like, Mallory, you're like super famous too. So this is really, you know, like, <laughs> so that was really neat. For uh, me, I was, when you told me that, I was just like, wow, he knows his stuff. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, cut. For my story, the next day, I had a shirt on that if you don't know, if you know Game of Thrones, you still might not even recognize what this is. I'll wear this shirt next stream, maybe. Uh, it's just this it's silhouetted image. It's just really image. small, Sean, right? It, on it's, the shirt it's small, too. and it's like a silhouetted image of when Brienne is late leading Jamie, like on a rope. On the, so in the rope, this, yeah. It's just the, an image of two figures that maybe you can kind of tell she has a sword, you know, and a, a rope between. You can barely tell that it's human figures or whatever. But, but once you know what that image is, okay, you clearly know what it is. And so I, I, I see uh, Nickelodeon, Walmart, Costco. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and I'm a little bolder because yesterday, the day before, it had gone well. So I'm like... Um, 
Nikolai, I hate to interrupt you. And he, he turns and he's like, oh, he's kind of like a pleasant to like interact with me. Um, comes up like, I think he's coming up to shake my hand, but I ruin it because I like point at my shirt. I'm like, I just wanted to show you this cool shirt. And he kind of stops and squints and looks in. And suddenly he like lights up. So with Brienne, yes, on the road. Yes. Uh-huh. Didn't he say <laughs> season three? Didn't yeah, he, I think he said season three. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. And, um, and so, uh, he, uh, you know, and, he, and, and I'm like, oh, you know, like, I'm like <laughs> positive interaction you know, with Jamie, you know. And so then he, then he reaches out and shakes my hand. And he's like, where did you get that? And I'm like, uh, uh, <laughs> T-Fury, I think. <laughs> bubble, one of those, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it, it's, it, it was well uh, spread around the con. It was one of the buzzing, like one of the buzz items of the con how amazing Nikolai was with people he's just the most personable like there's a line in the office where James Spader is is in a moment that you would think would be uncomfortable and they're like I'm sorry are we making you uncomfortable and he says I'm never uncomfortable (laughs) and it's I I imagine that about Nikolai because he just like he seems like nothing he was just so cool with everyone people are like oh my god Nikolai blah 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 like not women only men and women are just like oh my god Nikolai and He's just like, get in here, you know, hug and giving people hugs, holding their hands and his like in his cheeks, like doing the like gazing into their eyes thing. Just yeah, he was a good sport with the pictures. Yeah, just, if you hmm. if you're on social media, you've probably seen some of it. If not, you're missing out. But like yeah. there's the like, cosplayers as uh, Cersei and Tywin. And he's like holding Cersei, looking at Tywin like because Tywin has this sign. that says paternity test. <laughs> 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 yeah, he was such a good sport. He, he, he played he with dominated. props yeah. and, you know, like, yeah, he ran the con, I swear. Like he just like he made it so much better because so many people showed up for him. Like he was a huge part of the draw. You know, Jerome was awesome, too. But Nikolai was probably the bigger star. And people just were raving about how great he was just to talk to and in his panels and just to, to run into. So <laughs> let me tell you, to him. someone else who is also fun, a fun guest at the con. He's not quite as big and famous as Jamie, but Milto, Serial. Yeah, he's a regular now, right? And uh, <laughs> we interviewed him last year, and that was one of the most fun experiences of my life. Seriously, yes, literally. Yes. Uh, and he, uh, this year, Rita... Like, oh man, it's it was it's super limited, but he gives sword fighting lessons. He does water dancing lessons at the con. They're and, really popular. Yeah, and it sold out in like seven minutes, and, and it happened last year. And uh, so Rita was like on her phone, just refresh, 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 to, to make sure to get them. <laughs> this is like on my actual birthday. She got these tickets to, so that we got to do it. And he remembered me from the, the interview last year, and that was fun. And nice, it nice. was actually a really neat, like, I don't know, of course. It was he he was really clever, like how he taught it and the, the little things you learn. And the, like he's the, probably gotten better at it. I'm yeah. sure, yeah. He's a good instructor and he, but he's very charismatic. It was a, a whole I don't want to get too much into that one thing, but I could. I could probably do I could probably do a whole talk for a whole hour just about <laughs> that. Cool thing. Was. Yeah, it was a couple hours long, the whole thing. It was Did like, you get to see him at all Zeus? I saw him briefly in the hospitality suite. Okay. I didn't really get to talk to him though. Yeah. It's just the conference was such a blur. Yeah. Yeah, I saw him in the hospitality suite as well. And he entered from the back of it. He must have like been coming from a panel or something, right? And so like I happened, I turned around right then and he saw me and his eyes like lit up and he was like, hey. <laughs> and like we gave each other a big hug and talked nice. for a minute. And I was like, wow, what a nice guy. I was just like very happy that that he just was very kind. Whoa, comment from Joe Magician. Hey, Matt, how you doing, buddy? Check out Joe Magician's channel. Great stuff over there. He says, the coolest thing I saw he did was that Oz from Watchers had to miss a family wedding to be at the con. And Nikolai recorded a video apologizing to the bride and groom for Oz not making it. Wow. How cool is that? Yeah. I did not know that. That's that's awesome. Really cool. 
And uh, speaking of Watchers in the Wild, shout out to Watchers. The, their coverage leading up to the con and during was fantastic. We got a lot more extra photos because of them. And just interacting with all the Watcher people is super fun. We did, uh, Shea ran game night with a little help from me. And it was perfect. We did Quiplash. And fam- there was also Family Feud. We didn't run that, but we were, uh, you know, back there Sean, for it. Sean played Family Sean did, Feud, yeah, though, Family with Feud. the Wolf and the Crows. With the Wolf and the Crows. Another highlight yes. of the con was the Wolf and the Crows. Yep. You can From tell the last a watch highlight because we're all talking over each other yep. at once. <laughs> yeah, we can. We're so excited. <laughs> <laughs> they did They did several panels. And uh, Andrew McClay, like, clearly he's very talkative and, and extroverted and outgoing. and Really funny. A good sense of humor and timing and has great stories. And uh and then, so, you know, Steve Love, who also got a part on it, he's a comedian, and he had a small part on uh, Game of Thrones also, and he does a lot of hosting at Con of Thrones. He's, he's usually the face of whatever's happening on stage. There's a lot of the emceeing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's great fun. He's awesome. Well, and, he's got competition now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but he's announcing the teams for the, for the family feud, and it was... Uh, Mallory was also in this competition, by the way. And when they when they read off the different names, the Wolf and the Crows are split up. And they just, what? You can't split up. Oh, blah, 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 blah. But Steve Love's like, look, look, man, I didn't make the rules. I'm just delivering the news. And they, they kind of, you know, accept it. And suddenly like, screw the wolf, screw the crows. We're going to go down, crow. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, they were, they were a lot of fun. It was a lot. It was really exciting. And it was a fun, fun. That whole family feud is fun to have like a team of people who all love this show. An mm-hmm. audience of people who all love this show. And the host loves the show. Like everyone was all <laughs> about whoever it. whoever so. surveyed it, I mean, whoever was surveyed does not know that show. Yeah, so as you a, think, you're just, they can be very frustrating. Andy, Andy McClay even said, I want to say to those of you who took the survey, what were you smoking? <laughs> you know, see, the thing is, is that this is the one family feud show where yelling, show me dragon <laughs> would be accurate. Show me dragon. <laughs> Good but point. Andy McClay and the Wolf and the Crows definitely were a huge highlight for me. I got a chance, you know, I talked for, like for a long time uh, with Andy about, you know, the con and we're going to Ireland next month. So I was talking his year off and, yeah, he was just incredibly friendly, and he's single, ladies. <laughs> he, he wanted me to tell people, as it so happens, so why not tell everyone here? Those guys were so fun. Yeah, they were a huge draw, and the con- the, con- the the fandom really gets to pat itself on the back for, for rising to the occasion. There were a, uh, a last-minute addition to the con, I believe, uh, mischief paid uh, a portion of the of yeah their, a little bit, but it was the mostly after the it was con the of Thro- yeah. it was after People. the con of I mean, Thrones yeah. group like a that did a fundraiser was started to get them there. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like Seventy five hundred dollars were raised. Yeah, yeah, so it was a pretty significant amount. So big shout out to the fandom, uh, yeah. especially Gina Miller and the rest of the Geek Chat one and, and of- after the con. I'm sorry, after the con group on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. after the con of Thrones, you can find it. Um, but speaking of Gina Miller, we've got something that people watching earlier might have seen while I was trying to fix our audio, which is Lil Bear. A Gina's Lil- dog. Yeah, you can see a picture well, and a video. Is the the so this is this funny little extra story here. I just was walking in the hall with Lil Gina to see this happen. Yeah, Wyndham Tormund. We're just giving her this dagger, this foam dragon glass dagger. By the way, there's lots of shots of Little Bear, Liana Mormont, Stabbing one one in the eye. Yeah, because <laughs> there's a one one cosplayer there, and so people, everybody wanted to see. We that can you badly. guys here? You guys can see the one one cosplayer yeah. here in this picture of Sean's. 
that has a Tormund and a Braun as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Braun is uh, that is Braun, right? He's doing his Braun. I, I thought it was John, but oh, I'm not right. sure. Well, Tom Hooper, he does yeah, both Braun and Braun, yeah. Tom and John. I think that's him and his John looking at the sword. Actually, he does both though. He's a great cosplayer. Tom, yeah, a, he goes by Tom Snow. Tom Snow, and there's of course also a Con Snow, and Con Snow had one of the best photos of the entire uh, weekend, which was. It's something everybody wanted for season eight. And it was a picture. They had wolves there. Wolves were, were part of the con and you could get your pictures with wolves. And one of the wolves was, was pure white. And there's the, the, the con got a photo or a video, a short video of this white wolf licking Con Snow's face. He looked and Con <laughs> Snow looks exactly like Jon like Snow. Snow. It's incredible. And it's like shout cheating out to Snow. as it's far cheating, as cosplaying yeah. goes. It's yeah, just not it's, fair. You just look like John. It's so <laughs> like it, Kit Harrington. It's, it's incredible. And so that video, it's like, it's like a three second video of, of this ghost looking Snow's face. And he's just got this big grin on his face because why wouldn't you? <laughs> and it's I, so good. I know he also had a great story because he ran into Nikolai. And he's yes. like, whoa, you look just like Kit, you know, <laughs> and like, you know, got a picture and all that. Yes. Oh, cool. Zach is his real name, Zach Consnow. And yeah. he says that his photo with Nikolai is Nikolai actually making a face, pointing at him like, what the hell? <laughs> like, he looks exactly, no, no, seriously, he looks like Kit. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Uh, uh, we got some other good pictures here to share, though. Um, ooh. Real quick shout out to Will Carter, who oh, yeah. uh, local Nashville guy, big fan of, of our channel and several of the other YouTube channels. And he was very generous, put us up in an Airbnb along with some other folks. And that made our trip so much better. Very welcoming. He t- had so much to tell us about Nashville, great stories and helped uh, throw some really good parties that made the weekend even better. So thanks a lot, Will. Appreciate that, buddy. Yeah. Uh, next up here. This is a photo I got of the Great Bastards uh, How group. How cool is that? The actual Great Bastards. I mean, come on. How cool is that? Like, <laughs> yeah, right here. And the detail. Yeah, right here you have Brian E., Brian Eidolon, who you'll recognize from our chats and all the questions he submits. And he did Westeros, an American musical. Yeah, check that out saying. if you haven't. And then you've got uh, Christina Triple there, who uh, obviously is also in our chats and who we're going to Ireland with next month yeah. as Shiera Seastar. Shout out to Blood of the Podcast. Yes, her show. yes. And she got the green eye and the blue eye contact with the green eye, and the green and blue necklace. Yeah, Just, it's that's perfect. A fantastic, Shiera. And then you got Michael G as Blood Raven. He's also in Westeros, an American musical. And uh, Josh Harrison, who has an Iron Throne um, doppel. He's doppel raver cosplay, and he's got an Iron Throne. He's created as Aegon the Unworthy. So he actually have not just a great bastard, but Aegon the Unworthy, the dad there. <laughs> and and. They created a rap for it, a Great Bastards rap, and they're editing the video for it right now. Oh. So we will certainly I, let you know when that's out. Yeah. So basically, yeah, I I love them all. They're great. So uh, no, Christina in particular has like four Game of Thrones raps right now. And she's writing a Lannister one, and she just knows them off the top of her head. She had a cosplay as the Long Night. Yeah, she dressed up as the Long Night. That was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, and she did a Viserian bunny hutch. Anyways, I think she's great. I'm excited we'll have her on at some point for sure. Yeah. Um, On a live stream, I would be excited for that. But for the immediate future, Ireland. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I had to share that picture. Sean got this picture of an Arya that people saw earlier. 
are you with the actual clams and cockles? Yeah. The actual wheelbarrow. Cool. I think that's such a fun thing. So it's it's a good point here because Aria, there's Aria's had a lot of looks over the years, right? Seven, eight seasons of Aria, you got a lot of versions of Aria, but that's nothing next to Sansa. Let's talk about different looks, Daenerys too, but Sansa was maybe the cosplay hit in terms of quantity. Most people playing mm-hmm. Sansa. And what's so amazing about it is there were so many Sansas and almost no overlaps. Yeah, like there yeah. were like 20 Sansas I, and none of them were the same Sansa. I, I completely disagree. Oh, there were a lot I of overlaps? I think most of the Sansas were the, the chained dark Sansa. Really? I thought there were that so many. That was the one I saw like okay. 100% the most of. And I was like, one I saw was early season, like pink dress Sansa. Yeah. And like I saw like one or two like light colored dress Sansa. There was a wedding all. dress Sansa. Yeah, that's second. that's Megan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like she did it and I don't know. I feel like they were more than that, but I'm not disagreeing with you that they were duplicates. I guess I could just be wrong about that. I but mean, I felt I, like they were feel so like many I versions. saw for sure fifteen or twenty just of the Yeah. Well I'm not disagreeing yeah. with you on that. I'm just I just didn't yes. see that. But I were definitely there definitely was a wide variety, but apparently there were more duplicates. Whereas Arya got like people doing a multiple different you know, cosplay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like there were lots of Arias too. Different yeah. types of Arias. There were even multiple Tormans, as we saw. <laughs> and of course, multiple Daenerys. There's always multiple Daenerys. One of the really excellent ones, though, too, this is a really creative version, was the Wildfire Marjorie. Oh, yeah. Here that we go. I've got that on cool. screen now. So, uh, San Rixie in Super Chats is shout out to the Blackwater Bay, which is not directly related. It is Wildfire Marjorie, but it does make us think of Wildfire. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, also very creative uh, cosplay was the opening credits by Annalise Rose, who's <laughs> yes, done other amazing cosplay in the past. But I really love this one. I mean, I love maps and all that, but it's just incredibly creative. Yeah. Someone else dressed up as uh, Belly Robert, Robert with his with his belly sticking out. Uh, yeah. 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 That was a real big hit. <laughs> There was a, a uh, comet. Someone, someone with a red, red dress. Oh, yeah. that was that was Wendy uh, Vaccaro. Vaccaro. Yeah, I don't know how to say thing, it, yeah. but um, yeah, she was also a Roz bunny while uh, her husband Christopher, uh, he was a green man. Oh, so man. that's pretty cool. That's very cool. Uh, a green man or the green man? <laughs> Just yeah, a green man. A green man. <laughs> Uh, whoa, monster super chat from Tommy Pappas. Thank you very much, my friend. We got to see you there and hang out. Tommy so was there. So briefly. I like was so I bummed. I really thought I was going to get more time to hang out with him. And the con was so spread out at the different hotels. Yeah. Ugh, it, there was, there's always so many people that I want to spend time with. But this was, this happened a lot this year in particular, both because the con has gotten bigger. We yes. know more people and it has was more spread out we haven't heard final numbers but my impression was from hearing rumors was that it was potentially as large as the first two con of thrones combined yeah i thought it was like more like five Mm -hmm. to eight yeah it was a lot they sold a lot of tickets for it um and that's that's a great sign you know it's the last it's it's not ending if anyone was wondering there will be a con of thrones next year they don't know where it's going to be there's a rumor that i heard directly from melissa who's the ceo of mischief that it'll be Denver, but that is just an idea at this point. So we can hope it'll be Denver, but it's it's a long shot from being settled. But what's got to email ninety nine percent certain is that it's happening. Email comment, yeah. tweet at them. Tell them you like Denver. that. Yeah, petition for Denver. Yeah. <laughs> Sean and Rita like that idea because Rita is in Denver and Sean goes to Denver. Yeah. Yes. So another uh, fun thing was there was karaoke. They always do karaoke, and there's some uh, really amazing song choices. We got a, a redo of uh, of Pete Easy, shout out to Pete Easy doing 
acapella Reigns of Castamere, which he kicked off last year with the same thing and did it this year. So it's kind of becoming a thing that we start with with Pete. I hope that tradition continues. He's got a great voice. It takes a lot of uh, uh, a lot of bravery to get up there and sing acapella. Speaking of speaking, speaking of him too, also I got uh, I got an ashtray, a Werewood Stump ashtray from him. Oh, very nice. Yeah, Pete was walking that. around with his own art that he did. His shirt art. He did some really cool uh, designs. Yeah. Great stuff. Check out his store. I don't know. I wish I had the address, but I don't. We'll have to look that up for y'all later. Um, also, there was uh, there there was a singer who dressed up as uh, black armor shoulder pad Cersei who sang all that she wants is another baby <laughs> which is just oh so perfect which I think didn't didn't Nickelodeon Walmart Costco tweet that tweet I yeah. think Cameron Fro tweeted it and he tweeted that to Gwendolyn Christie saying yes. hey you should you, go to Con yeah, of Thrones next year this. that's right <laughs> that would be an awesome I liked uh, Tormund doing a wild thing yes <laughs> wild thing that's right it's wilding obviously and uh, Petra I assume Petra Albert, yes that was the other acapella that just yeah. talk about okay so you got a room of raucous congoers who were drinking singing karaoke it's a giant room and petra halber gets up there and says uh down in the hall and everybody's like quiet hushed. yeah acapella jenny song were like oh <laughs> and it was beautiful there were tears there were, it, it was so good she sang the whole thing the whole the long extended version and it just keeps raising the bar because I we raised our Patreon milestone a while back for me to do Jenny's song. And then we fell back under it. And then we got back to it. So I am working on it. and it, But the bar is raised really high. I'm going to really, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to really bring my A game, uh, my A plus game. Because I already was going to bring my A game because that's that's how we roll. But uh, the bar is raised. Let's just put it that <laughs> way. But uh, yeah, it was, it was super fun. Karaoke was great. But uh, before karaoke was the costume contest. And the costume contest was so good. People put so much effort into the costumes. And I swear there were like a hundred good costumes that weren't even in the contest because of, you know, some people didn't want to wear their costume all day long. Some people wanted to switch because they had multiple costumes. Some people just don't care about competing or don't want to be on stage. I think, by the way, this is a thing that I learned. Apparently the difference between costume and cosplay. I'm not quite sure if this is true, but this is a thing I learned this weekend is that you make your own cosplay. Now, I don't know how define how much, what percent, or for example, you have to like smelt the metal for the, for the, the buckles, cosplay but, uh, contest, you have to have made se- at least 75% okay, yeah. to be eligible for the cosplay contest. So it's still very impressive to see a lot of the costumes that might not have been eligible for the contest. Right, because they were purchased. Yeah. So people still put money into it, which is a thing. You know, and that's, sometimes that's still they're putting money into, okay, I'm going to buy this crown yeah. from here. I'm going to buy this gown and I'm going to modify it in such and right. stuff. Put way. this jewel or this signet yeah. or doing yeah. lots of creative sew it onto things. this yes. cloth or whatever. But yeah. it's not quite, uh, they're not making it. And, and sometimes it, it isn't, it isn't from scratch. They're not, you know, weaving the thread. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a but some of them point. are, you know, yeah. like, well, I mean like at the certain point, like they're not creating, they're not know, spinning the wool. They're not <laughs> smelting the metal. Yeah, the there, buckles. There's a certain yeah. point where you're like, okay, yeah. we don't require you to do this. But <laughs> some people do even that. Like I suppose. So yeah, the cosplay, right. the person who won had s- supposedly put like, she said six months, five hours a day. And well, she, she created yeah. two costumes. Yeah, it's true. She, she, two she costumes. Yeah, two but like, like thousands of pieces. Yeah. Yeah, she, she said like, it was like, like hand you know, cut like, by exacto. Yeah. Like layers of, of ribbons or whatever that came down. that were thousands of pieces that had to be put, cut and then put together. Yeah. Just on just the, the effort. And it's is, just like the yeah. chess piece, you know? <laughs> yeah. So when you go to an event like this, you know that you're going to see, you don't exactly know, 
which costumes, but you know you're going to see costumes that people put astounding amounts of effort into and thought and love into. And I just... Effort through clap, the day wearing it. It's like my hot. Off. It's like all this clunky stuff you're wearing. You can't... You kind of ruin it if you're carrying around your backpack or whatever. You know what I mean? You have to really join it, you know? Yeah. Sacrifice comfort for canon. <laughs> yeah. And of course, at this convention, it was a little bit extra of a sacrifice because the hotel was not in the same spot as the convention itself. So you don't have to be outside too much, but it was Nashville in July. So even yeah. being outside for a few minutes is pretty brutal <laughs> if it's during the day. Wool, coat your three layers of armor and yeah. Yeah, boots. Yeah, so it's 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 extra effort. There's, there's effort in the wearing of the costume, not just in the making of it. Uh, so... One other, a couple of funny thing happened. Funny thing happened on the way to the costume contest. We're <laughs> waiting there for it to happen. It's getting ready to start. People are just milling around, having some drinks. It's, it's the end of all the panels. So people are waiting for the, there's like a little bit of a, I wouldn't call it a lull, but the costume contest hasn't started yet. So I go, I, I look down at my phone. I see a message, uh, a Twitter message. I'm like, oh, Twitter message. Don't see a lot of direct Twitter messages. Look there. And it's a message from Alt-Shift-X. He's like, oh, hey, Aziz, I'm in town for Con of Thrones. Are you around? I'm like, what? <laughs> that was so cool. He didn't tell anyone he was coming. He just showed up. That, and that's just Alt-Shift-X style, right? He's, he's incognito. He puts out the amazing content, but keeps his personality pretty hidden. Everybody knows his accent, of course. He's really nice. He's super he, nice. He has really interesting interest. We, I, I don't know. I actually was I, I'm surprised we had a lot in common, and I enjoyed talking to him a lot. And yeah, he was, uh, he literally, he, he came over to our Airbnb and he did our dishes. <laughs> like yeah. he, he just did the dishes and we were like, you don't need to do that. And he's like, I've been traveling for so long. It feels good to do a chore. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. I'll yeah. believe you. I was happy that he knew me. Like when you introduced us, it's like, hello, Sean. I'm like, hello, <laughs> you know me. Like, and uh, at one point uh, he went to one of the parties at night and I felt like I was just talking too much. I wasn't exactly sober, and I felt like I was talking, and I, like, cut myself off, and it's like... It's hard for me to imagine you drunk, Sean. Like, I know yeah. I've seen you drink, but, <laughs> drunk, like... Drunk, but you... I, I don't know. I just... I, 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 but, uh, you don't really change that much. You're not really that no, different when you've had yeah. a few drinks. I feel yes, different. You I'm feel like, self-conscious that you're talking I feel self-conscious that I'm talking talk too, too much. You talk too much all the time. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Most people become oblivious when they drink. You're becoming more aware. Yeah. <laughs> but I cut myself off. I was like, I'm not... I'm not talking too much. He's like, no, no, no. I'm asking questions. I'm asking questions. Like, okay, it made me feel better. And I'm like, yeah, right. And that's one of the joys for us as as YouTubers, podcasters, is is talking to other YouTubers and podcasters. It's like we get to talk shop. We don't have like coworkers that we get to talk to on a regular basis about what we do for a living and uh, or just do all the spend a lot of time on. And yeah, so that was really fun. He's super, super cool guy. And I, I lived vicariously through the introductions. I would walk up, I would, I would be like, hey, who do you want to meet? You know, because nobody recognizes him. They, could, they might recognize his voice if they heard him talking. But just by sight, no one knows who he is. I think they would. It's very likely that they would be able to, considering people have recognized our voices. Oh, yeah, I agree. So yeah, I, agree. I, I, I think it would happen to him on, on occasion. Definitely, definitely. There's not a lot of Australian people around in general. It's not an it's, it's, it's like, an. I think if I knew accent. that he was there and then met him, I'd be like, oh, you're him, you know. But <laughs> just in the blind there. meeting yeah. him, yeah. And so uh, so I had the first person I introduced him to was Kim Renfro. She walks by. And so this is what I did to like... 12 or 15 different people, I'd introduce them by name and then say, also known as Alt-Shift-X, while they're shaking hands so I could see their reaction. They would just like inevitably like 
the eyes would go up or they would jump or have some sort of physical reaction and be like, no way. Tony Teflon was the funniest because he was like, <laughs> I don't believe it. He, he, he was playful, but he was like, I don't believe it's not really all chip decks. You're not really all chip decks. He was quizzing him on his own stuff. He's like, all right, so-called all chip decks. What was your last, how many views does your top video have? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know, 5 million. And he goes, wrong, 6.6, very suspicious. <laughs> that he says. As if you would just know. Yeah, and he says, what about, what was the last video you released? And he named that one correctly. He's like, okay, you got that one right. Story checks out. <laughs> but Kim Renfro was like, oh, and she jumped. And then and he goes, I read your articles on Insider. You're a great writer. And she was like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know who I am, you know. And that happened like 12 times. People, because he, he would just know their stuff. He's just yeah. in the community. You have to spend your time keeping up with that stuff. You yeah. know, that's a lot of material out there. A lot of insights to gain and share in the community, you know. So that that was just wonderful. That was another wonderful surprise that no one saw coming that made the convention even better. And uh, I don't know, we're running out of time. We have more stories, but um, we're going to have to cut it short pretty soon here. Do you have any other really important stories that you just, we didn't talk about too much of the parties? We didn't talk about. I don't about... actually have much else to talk. I feel like I covered a cool. lot of stories okay. from the con yeah. myself. Other things we've talked about in general, the panels, like they'll be released. I don't feel like I need to pump them up. We'll release yeah. them. The panels, you're right. We could, we, we do have a lot to say about the panels, but you're right. We'll yeah. be covering that separately. There were a lot of other really good panels. I will say that there was, the paneling was a lot more active. The Con of Thrones panels have always been really good, but there was, because of the extended ticket sales, there were more of them. There was, there was a, at any time, there were about five or six panels at a time. Yeah. I, I don't like, I have to say, I'm not a fan. Yeah, you want to yeah, share sure. a couple I'm, less yeah, per, a per couple hour. Less okay. There are a lot I, of tough decisions to make about which one to see. Yeah. I was cross scheduled with so many things that I would have gone to. Yeah, yeah, I did half and half a lot of times where I would be half of a panel and go to another. And I didn't have that much time for panels because I, we, you know, I had plenty. Of As it happens, the, the the probably the top five panels I would have gone to. Yeah work cross scheduled like those happen to be the ones it's just mm. bad luck i guess but yeah it did happen to me like jinx and san rixian they had panels that i really wanted to go to just for an example mm. and the youtuber meet and greet which we're youtubers obviously right now cross scheduled with that so there's you know three off the top of my head yeah it's uh it's it's one of those kind of good problems to have that you have so much to do that it's it's a it's a it's a wealth of opportunity but you feel really bad missing things. Yeah. So many people to talk to, and that it was the other factor of the con being much larger than we expected. Was that the impact of people not having enough time to talk to everybody was magnified? It was even worse because there's so many more people to talk to. It's also good that they have the audio recordings. You have yeah. the opportunity to listen to the panels later, um, and I'm sure they'll find like the sweet spot. You know, they're, they're, this is a relatively new con, so exactly how to manage it all is going to be tricky. Super chat from Lady Dillsdale. It was great meeting the three of you at the con. Great meeting you too, Christina. Yeah, she, super yeah. fun. We loved hanging out with you. Yeah, she was great. I love talking to her. Uh, she's one of the Blackwater Bay Bays. <laughs> I was in that we hung out in a hot tub together, and it was quite nice. And I will say, she um, a little thing about her is that her and her husband, her she they created her last their last name by mashing their last names together, which is something I've always been intrigued by. Yeah, I've always talked about it as like. Why don't more people do it? And they just created a new last name. I think it's really cool. That is a really good idea. It's the kind of thing that, that we would do around here, you know, like yeah, for mean, our fandom, not for real life, but it's, they did it in real yeah, life. Yeah, real I mean, life. in real life, I would do it. Aziz, I, Aziz and I, for example, both have hyphenated name. How yeah. do you ever combine that? <laughs> but, except by just, just mashing them together yeah. in one word. I don't know. But anyways, props <laughs> to her and her husband for doing that. Yeah, that was very cool. Very cool. 
Well, um, any other thoughts, Sean, before we uh, say adios to everybody? Yeah, I'm, 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 you know, you had the thing. It's like if, well, if, I, if you're trying to like name your top song or band or something, well, if I name this one, I have to name this one. If I name that one, like, I have either 20 more thoughts or I have to cut it off, you know, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, cut it thank, off. thank you to all the people we didn't have time to name. There were so many great panels and, and moments and, and people we saw in costumes and people we oh, talked to. I had one more. I didn't put an okay. image of it. I can't believe I didn't grab the image. But um, Shakespeare of Thrones did Alyssa Farman. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and Mary was Raina. And they got a picture of, of the distracted boyfriend meme, Alyssa, looking oh, yeah. at the dragon eggs. And anyway, it's just <laughs> highlight of my week. I can't believe I didn't grab a picture. It but, just goes to show how many yeah. amazing moments there were. Yeah. If, we could, if, you could, if that can slip your mind, which is it was some <laughs> of the, an incredible moment, then, yeah. There's got other things recently. that slipped our mind. I was on Stephen Stark's stream. And I, I didn't until the last moment, right before I left, I was like, oh, wait, this. Great. And right now, again. Actually, that's a great point. Uh, Also, shout out to Sam Adolfo, who we had so much fun with. Yeah. But uh, speaking of, Stephen Stark, check out Stephen Stark's channel and check out Tony Teflon's channel. Both of them did con recaps that uh, more of these stories are present. So there's a few repeats, but some things that we didn't get to talk about. And lots of other people, because we didn't have any guests here, because as you can see, we just had a lot to say. And on Tony's stream, there's an extra bonus. Kate Dickey showed up. That's why I mentioned Sam Adolfo, because Sam was was hanging out with uh, Kate. So Kate just got on the stream for a few minutes and talked about, she wasn't at this con, but she was at a prior prior con of Thrones, and she's a big hit. Everybody loves her. So uh, extra bonus there. (laughs) So I I guess I'll go ahead and get one more thought. Is it we have these highlight moments, see these cool costumes and these people we met and these panels that we did. But as you can imagine, just the way life is, there's a million other subtle little memories that come from this that aren't maybe not even quite story worthy on a podcast, but just like the meals we had in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Know, like yeah, right? uh, the, the road trips and did just you, the conversations did you, go that you out have. Did you anywhere, and, Sean, and have a, a special meal? Yeah, there was a, like it was so convenient because literally across the street there was this ta- tacos. Apparently, are big at least okay. in Nashville. <laughs> or I think Rita got tacos twice, <laughs> two different places. Yeah, and and they were vegetarian friendly. By the I, way, yeah. I ate cool, cool. in the hotel bar like lounges. Yeah, I ate there plenty as well. That, most, that was the extent. And at home, and at home at the Airbnb, I mostly ate at the hospitality suite. I had quail <laughs> yeah, eggs. I cooked true. quail eggs. By the way, <laughs> cooked. Quail I, eggs. And yes, I'm the did. one who pressed. Shay made that happen. Yeah, I yes. made it happen. <laughs> but like again, that's not so much like some panel of the con. But it was so like this moment I have when I could. They're just like regular eggs. They're just like tiny, tiny, tiny. like the size of your thumb. Just like <laughs> I probably drank a metric ton of coffee <laughs> during the convention. <laughs> All right, so that does it for this stream. Thanks again to everyone for coming. Thanks, y'all, for watching and spreading the love and, and liking and sharing our content. We will be doing a Valar Reredis semi-private live stream tomorrow. If you'd like to attend, hit us up on Facebook or send us a message. If you're a patron or a regular donator, you should already have the links. Uh, they're also posted in our Facebook group and in our Flick group, which you can join. There is a link in the uh, YouTube comment section or not in the youtube sorry the youtube description as well as in the description for the podcast version of this uh thanks to michael clarfeld for our music thanks to joey our, our music not, not the music michael no. clarfeld for our maps and video intro thanks to joey townsend and jesse koal for the music uh thanks to ashea for all the amazing production running 
handling all the uh, the problems as they come up, which we had a good example today. Thanks to Casanova, our cat, for massaging me throughout this stream. <laughs> well, he is over there giving her a massage right now. He's making some muffins on her lap. Good boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we'll see you oh, in about a month, Sean. I hope this doesn't make sense. He's rubbing up against the microphone. <laughs> said, you know, one, one other shout out. One other thing I feel like I needed to make sure to mention was... Um, Karen Belshaw, oh, yeah. The, yeah. the art designer. We all had some very personal conversations with him yeah. um, about his role on Game yeah, of Thrones, which is really awesome. you can follow on Twitter if you look up Kieran Belshaw. He's got some great concept art from his work on the show. But yeah, we've asked him. I reached out to him on Twitter about asking if he would, you know, want to join us to talk about his work. And he is interested. So cool. and he has the coolest con- business cards I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Talk about that. <laughs> Also, shout out to the Geek Chat One folks who did a lot of uh, arranging of, of side events, which was uh, really added to the uh, the con experience. And um, anyone else I forgot, I apologize. I'm, I'm sure we forgot some people because there are so many and it's a blur. So thanks to... Shout out to you, Aziz, for talking for so long. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> Aziz never loses his voice either. I have never lost He's my voice my well entire life. He's got a seasoned throat. <laughs> yeah, I, by the way, at the con, I had to cut the night short at night. Just all the conversations, music and parties, stuff like that. I'm like, I got to go home. I'm gonna, I can't do a panel tomorrow like this. Yeah. I was like, I can do a panel with a, a horror scratchy voice. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it. It's, it's maybe some people dislike it, but it's, lots of people like it. <laughs> yeah, scratchy voice is kind of cool. It can be kind of sexy. <laughs> I yeah I I never I have a bad stomach and a good voice. That's my that's the trade off for me. I can I can hardly handle liquor, but I can handle I can handle talking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so thanks to uh, the mysterious BR, Hand of the King. Thanks to Lord Stephen Stark, titles, titles, Hand of Queen of Shea, who's known as the best. Lord Jim, the fortuitous of Wars and Politics of Ice and Fire blog is Warden of the West. That's a.k.a. something like a lawyer who I did a panel with that you should be able to hear called Death of the Other. We, we talk about how humanity can fight against the others and the whites in the books. Lord George Stormsville, the Cunning, Lord of the Chiliad and Warden of the East. Cabeth the Unfrozen, Lord of the Bricks and Castle Crimson Light, Defender of the Old Gods and Warden of the North. Lady Kelly McMath of Covington is Lady of the Villa Hills and Crescent Springs, Warden of the South. Lord James Tuttle is King of the Stepstones and the Narrow Sea, Commander of the Royal Fleet, consisting of the Narrow Fleet led by Flagship Caraxes and the Bloodstone Fleet led by Flagship Prince Damon. Now, I think Lord James Tuttle is, uh, was intrigued by seeing some of these strange things in Nashville. I don't. Uh, he had spies there. He wasn't there in person. But there's this strange thing that happens in Nashville. It's, it's apparently the bachelorette party capital of the world. And you see constantly these buses going around that are party buses with the top is removed. People are just standing on the bus drinking. Sometimes they're pedal taverns. That's what I was getting to is these strange pedal rides where there's a giant bus where every seat is is like a bike where every single person is pedaling. It's like the Flintstones. Yes. (laughs) And so he's interested in making some ships using this design. So instead of rowing, you know, you can have your the Bloodstone fleet could be pedaled instead of a horde. So we'll see how that works out. (laughs) <laughs> King Beyond the Wall, Sidney Jesse, is the fallborn lord of Bluespring in the Haunted Forest. He wields a dagger of dragonglass and the Valyrian steel blade Redfrost. Now, after seeing Little Bear's foam version of a Valyrian steel dagger, or of a dragonglass dagger, he's interested in uh, upgrading to that. He doesn't want real dragonglass, it shatters too easily, but foam, you can stab people repeatedly with that, and it just bounces right back. <laughs> Lady Sarah Connolly, the willful wit beyond measure is man's greatest treasure, is Jenny's patron. 
We have White Walker patrons nowadays. First Walker Tanneman is a wielder of Blue Sister. Went north of the wall in search of the most refreshing brew, where the mountains are always blue. Turned White Walker, but still in search for the elusive Blue Mountains. Can't rest until I complete my quest. Araya Flint of the Mountain Flints, captured by the Weeper, only to be raised in the Valley of the Milkwater. Blue eyes and golden memories. Alexander Greyblood is first of the first men, now crowned in ice, called Silence Bringer. Wood Blinder and Snow of Night, wielder of the Ice Forged Greatsword Pale Frost. Our small council includes Lord Daniel, the Sneaky Russian, Master of Ships, Grand Maester Via James, Lord Benjamin of House Hornwood, Master of Laws, Lord Fabian Flowers, the Bastard of Green Shield, Master of Coin, and Lord Johan of House Orcos, called Shadowhawk, Master of Whispers. Lady Dyerliz of Castle Naki is the Alpha Patron. Lord Dan of the Red Mountains and Castle Great Bell is Breaker of the Second Stone. Gregor the Toasty is Lord of the Breadfort. Lord Ryan of Castle Stonegate is Guardian of the Rocky Mountain Pass. Ashlyn Winter is the Hawk's Eye, Lady of Castle Skyfall. Lady Mikkel of Moonacre is Leader of the Werewood Protectorate Alliance. The Lord of the Halls of Castle Hillcrest, Wielder of the Valyrian Steel Machete Everglazed. Lord Alistair Whitaker is Lord of the Donhold. Lord Bemmy Snugglebunny is Guardian Ranger of the Hidden Hundred Acre Werewood, Dual Wielder of Valyrian Short Swords, Gold, Glorious Morning, and Little Light Wise. Sharpshooter of the Werewood and Ironwood Laminated Longbow, Todd Von Oben. The bastard of the Wolfswood is first forester of the old gods. He's sworn to the House Ironwood. Uh, sorry, House Ironwarewood. Listen for the silence is their motto. Lady Leona Kelly of Wolf Island is protectress of the Steelhold. Casey Stark is of House Acres. Lady Kay of House Archer is Lady of Earth Dog Hall, huntress of the Wolfswood, and guardian of Maddie Squirrel's Bane, the mighty dire lady. Lady Raywin of House Dillsdane is the star spear. You're so on cracking up. Peter Rivers is the pale dragon and heir to Blood Raven. Lady Carlin Carey of Castle Stone Sharp, whose horse is shod in Valyrian steel, is Lady Rider of the Rising Hills. Lord <laughs> Brendan Lannister is the Blood Lion, ruler of Castle Everroar. King's Justice Sir Troy the Steady is wielder of the Valyrian steel blade Fate. And Shea's Queen High Council. Queen's High Council's coming up here. Bloody Ben Blackwood, Master of Whisperers, Rebea Star Eyes, Lady of Waves and Mistress of Ships, Captain of the Iron Shadow Cat, in the shadows we bear our claws, Catrin the Wise of House Trondheim, Master of Coin, Grand Maester M. Elizabeth, Middle Daughter of Liana Mormont, First Lady to Forge Both the Silver and Valyrian Steel Link, and Laura Boros, the Lady of Infinity, Master of the Laws, and apparently a dragon? Yeah, that's that's part of how you can become infinite, is <laughs> into a dragon. <laughs> Our King's Guard is led by Lord Commander Miriam R., backed up by Sir Dollarus D., longest-tenured white sword, Sir Dean the White, Knight of the Black Star, Sir George of House Pepsi, the beverage knight, Gregor Snow called Snow Bear, a bastard of Winterfell, Sir Glennon of House Leanne called Lion Cloak, Sir Jen Seaworth, Knight of the Southern Snows. Mike. Uh, Queensguard. My, my Queensguard is led by Lord Captain Commander Hema Helminth, the Sellsword Sentinel. Alexander of House Atreides, from the Seat of Dune. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Becca the Bard, Songbird of the North. Michonne the Melodious, Star of Old Town. Minds over Masters. Ser Rambo, Knight of House Ganon, First Blood. Ser Leon of House Walker, wielder of the twin Valyrian steel blades, Fire and Ice. And the Werewood Bow Rain. And Amber the Adamant, the Knight of the Mist and Mother of Squids. Right on. And the Beard Guard. As mentioned before, Lord Commander George the Golden, Sir Joshua Oakhart, the White Oak, Lady Rita of the Coppermane, the Unbound, Dance the Fervor. Hi, Rita. 
<laughs> Sir Joff, Warden of the AC, wielder of Triad, the multifaceted beard of platinum, red, and brown. Stay frosty. And Tim Cargoyle, Mad Sarah, Boy. Sarah, Sarah. Oh. Oh, titles, titles. Sarah, Tim, Cargoyle, <laughs> Mad Boy of the Western Desert. Heck yeah. And of course, a couple of uh, new guys. New, oh, actually, first off, the History of Westeros Night's Watch is led by Lord Commander Benjen Umber, the Silent Giant, wielder of the Valyrian Steel Greatsword Winter's Kiss, backed up by first builder Magor Snow, a.k.a. Magor the Cool, the Fire in the Snow, first steward Sir Jurion of the Torrentine called Pale Wind, and first ranger Sir Source Delica of House Gramercy. A couple of new names around the block here as well that I like to throw out every once in a while. We got Tiffany the Tamer, No Task Too Tall, Steerav Pike called Ironworm, a bastard of Lord's Port and Volantis, Teresa M. of House Oddly, crowned in Weird. Um, and Simini, the master wanderer of Westeros, known for her copper hair, her werewood mandolin, and her strange dusky dagger. But who is she? Also, a shout-out to Shanley, the she-wolf of House Clark, Wisdom of the Pack, who was present in today's chat. Thank you. Lady Lauren Blackwood, voice of the old gods, a sound sweeter than silence. Uh, Cassinia Stone Spear, striker from afar. Have you have you shouted out to the Ed Tollett one I liked? I don't think I have. I like this one a lot. Ridiculous Ed Tollett. <sighs> if I must. It's, he- so it's a heavy sigh. The heavy sigh is part of the motto. Yes. <laughs> Sir Jorgen of Bloodstone is the Night Knight. Uh, yeah, Lady Lakshana is Shield of the Sages. Sir Seth Copeland is Knight of the True North, strong and free. Uh, Rickard, the Regal of House Grimlock. Victory has no room for the weak. Josh, the Dark Knight. Uh, Lady Chelsea is... Whoops, I lost it. Lady Chelsea is the Blonde Wolf, Mistress of the Western Slope. And let's see, a couple more thrown in here. I love reading these names. Uh, let's go with... Whoops, lost my place. Let's okay. go with uh, Bailey Bloodaxe, the Warrior's Chosen. Lord Brock of House Blacktree, the Badger King. That's a lot of alliteration. Yeah, right? <laughs> Sir Raywin Hill, Bastard of the Rock. Hild, the Hermit Mystic, Guardian of the Redwood Grove. Uh, Gandalf, the White Lord of House Seamorn. Uh, we've got um, one or two other new ones I want to read. Reese, the Renewer, the Lady of Ash and Rebirth. Uh, Sir Mikkel of House Redwood, Wielder of the Valyrian Seal Blade, Forest Fire, and a Redwood Longbow. And the Black Ash of House Reed, wielder of the quarterstaff Fraxinus Nigra. And Lisa, Water Witch of Dorne. We'll rounds out the last list of new names for now. I also didn't mention my hand. Oh, Lady Suzanne. Lady Suzanne Sinistral. That's yeah. right. Who we also got to hang out. It was great to see you there, Suzanne, as well. Good times, fun times, and we'll do it all again next year. <laughs> okay, folks, thanks again. We will see you next time. On behalf of Ashea and Sean, Valar Reredus. Valar Reredus, as it may be. <laughs> <laughs>